0: yes yes y'all it's going down right now episode 80 of the 22 shots of moods and horror podcast is coming at you live i am your host m to the double o d to the z also known as moods and of course i've always got my extra juicy barrito double shot j also known as jp by my side what's going on homie
1: yo we are back coming fresh off of some tremors into some shram tremors so yeah if
0: you have not checked out that show do so it's a fucking marathon <clears throat> that shit was like four and a half hours long man
1: yeah i was struggling because i was so tired uh by the end of it you know i think uh right when we finished tremors 2 i was like yep i'm gonna die <laughs> i didn't even know man i can I tell that- <laughs> I
0: i knew that we were like you know, that we, it was a long show, but then when, when I saw the final edit, when it got posted, I was like, four and a half hours. Holy shit. I almost fell off my seat. I was like, that's crazy. But yeah, yeah. you must have, you must have just been dying.
1: Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Cause like I explained, that was my long week. And that was my, you know, I worked that day. It was like uh, the common, watch five tremors films in a TV series. <laughs> it was like a combination of, uh you know, all kind of nonsense going on. But, you know, funny thing happened today. Um, we obviously planned the Tremors show uh, before we recorded it, obviously, uh, but we didn't plan it too far ahead <laughs> of time. It would have
0: been weird if we planned it
1: after. <laughs> um, <laughs> we didn't plan it too far ahead of time. So I actually didn't own Tremors 5. Uh, so I knew that it was really? on Netflix. So I was like, okay, you know, I have a way to watch it. But I ordered it anyway. Uh, and I just got it in the mail today. So <laughs> day late, dollar short. <laughs>
0: Nice, nice <laughs> man. That blue, I'm, I mean, I'm sure it looks the same on Netflix, but man, the Blu ray looks crisp,
1: yeah, like I actually real, real nice. It came with the slipcover and everything. And nice. the DVD. I got it from Go Hastings for four dollars. Wow, uh, so yeah, I got it in the Blu ray with the DVD combo. The DVD is there and it has the slipcover, so I was like, boss for four bucks. Damn, mm-hmm. also, really got, uh, Game of Thrones season one for four dollars. <laughs>
0: That's just so random, really.
1: Yeah, on Blu-ray <laughs> too. Wow. Yeah.
0: Wow. Stay I've trained. only I, I only seen the first episode. I watched the the first episode of Game of Thrones, and I thought it was awesome. I just, you know, what we mean with TV shows, it seems like we always bring this up every week, but I don't know. I think it's something that it'd be pretty cool to get into.
1: I also ordered. I placed an order like a couple of weeks ago. Got it in the mail today. I uh, just. Random little things, but one of the things that I wanted to grab was the uh, Video Nasties um, Volume One. Uh, turns yeah. out I accidentally ordered Volume Two, so <laughs> so I have Volume Two before Volume One, uh, which sucks. And uh, funny thing was Volume One was actually only thirteen dollars, and I grabbed the second volume, which was fourteen dollars.
0: <laughs> ah, that
1: sucks. Cause but I mean, the title's so damn long, I didn't notice it. <laughs>
0: I mean, you technically could still watch Volume Two without watching Volume One because it's it's about yeah, Volume Two is about like you know the section three and things like that, so it's different, but it's awesome, man.
1: Yeah, my OCD won't allow me to do that. Those
0: fucking those are so good, man. Actually, when I was in Mexico, um, I brought a little bit of stuff to watch, and I actually brought the Video Nasties Volume One and Two to watch, and at nighttime because you know. When you're in the sun all day and shit, you're tired, you end up going to bed super early. So I'd watch like a little bit of that every night. Dude, those are the best things ever to watch because they're so interesting. Like you watch the the trailers with the um with the introductions. And it, it dude, it's like seven, eight hours of that shit, man. Just them talking about these films, and it's just it's amazing. You're gonna yeah. love it. You're gonna love it, man. And then when you get to the section three list, it's it's so cool because there's a lot of films in there that I've never seen before and those are the most interesting ones to for me i'm just like damn gotta find these it's just it's so amazing plus i got a shitty memory so you know six months down the road i'd be like watching it for the first time again so.
1: <laughs> yeah we actually have uh you know some cool things going on on the facebook group right now we're still doing the 22 screenshots of horror which i kick back up again Um still uh still doing that it's gonna take a while for somebody to actually win but i you know for those of who. You, oh yeah and who, and
0: fucking speaking of that shit man fucking what is derek just waiting for those things to pop up like you po- <laughs> you posted the one for the red sin tower and like i clicked on it and i knew what it was right away it was like one of the first ones i've ever known right away and uh by the time i clicked out of it derek had already answered yeah <laughs> i was like holy fuck dude like were you sitting there just waiting for that like wow that was some good re- uh, reflex time right there
1: yeah, nuts. I I know that some people do get them like they're just really on it really quickly. Some of them are easier than others. I yeah. uh, I know I usually have a feeling of which ones are going to be a little bit harder based on the screenshot that I use. Mm-hmm. Um there's a method to my madness. There's a way that I kind of do it. But, you know, I I did buy a prize for it. Uh the winner will receive the Twisted Terror collection. First person to 22 points wins. Uh, I think everybody's at about seven is the highest the leader right now seven or nine can't remember but uh the twisted terror collection for those of you who don't know it's actually a really cool box set you can find it very cheaply but it it, it is you know it's fun. yeah but it's still it's a prize
0: <laughs> it's still a prize it's six uh, films and it's it's an it's an awesome box set yeah it but,
1: has a craven film and a carpenter film in it
0: yeah and it's got dr giggles
1: and the hand <laughs> oliver stone
0: <laughs> yeah it's good stuff man um but yeah, I think the I think the person that's actually in the lead right now has been MIA for a while, so I don't know, man. It's anyone's it's anyone's game right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely cuz I seen that Mike uh Merriman was uh you know, said that he was sort of late to the game, but he's still having fun. And mm-hmm. dude, you can come back out of nowhere because uh sometimes if if I don't uh if nobody gets it, I'll make this the points higher for it, you know. So yeah. you can kind of jump back in at any time just with a couple wins. Um, Another thing that we're doing that I thought was pretty cool is uh, the tournament that's going on, the bracket. Yeah. Seeing who the best DVD slash Blu-ray distribution company is.
0: I have uh, to say, man, okay, I I, I have to ask you a question. How did you pick who was up against each other in the first (laughs) round? Because one of the battles was really It was kind of like, oh. Lopsided? Yeah. I mean, what was the one where people were like, I can't remember. It was the one with Full Moon and. It was Arrow and Cheesy Flicks, was the first one. Arrow and Cheesy Flicks. And then what was the second one? Full Moon
1: and Lionsgate.
0: Full Moon, Lionsgate. Yeah, it's pretty tough.
1: Yeah, well, I kind of seeded it in a way. Like, so, Mm -hmm. so, um, it's a 64 bracket. So, uh, I went with, you know, four. Film Four companies that I thought were you know the best, and it was Arrow, Scream Factory, uh, Criterion, and I believe 88 Films. And I just wanted to throw some UK love in there. Those might not be the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that makes them all in their own section of the bracket. So essentially, all four of those could be the final four. Um, and then I kind of went to the number two seed, and it was like Blue Underground, Synapse, uh grindhouse and you know they're not perfect i didn't spend like hours like who should i yeah yeah. be this seed but you know i kind of just did it that way and then like if you notice like echo bridge is the the 12th seed along with the other 12 seeds are mill creek uh screen gems and asylum so it's you know all pretty lower tier companies or whatever but um the seating kind of got a little bit wonky when I started forgetting some, but for the most part, I think that it's all right. So right now, I mean, you're looking at uh, the the three, the four winners, you have Arrow, Lionsgate, Olive and uh, Twilight or Echo Bridge actually beat Twilight Time, which was funny. <laughs> yeah, man. but, you know, so it, it's, you know, th- there's going to be squash matches in, in the first round and second round, probably.
0: And, and that, I mean, people's votes were basically based on how much they, they can't stand Twilight Times. I mean, if we match up the but quality you, of releases year, <laughs> I, mean, I mean,
1: Twilight well, Times is a lot better. Well, what is quality, though? Because to me, quality is they released, Hellra- Echo Bridge released Hellraiser 3, which was out of print, which was really a big deal to me. And they were the first per- person to release Children of the Corn 2. It never had a US release before that. That was a big mm-hmm. deal to me because it completed my Children of the Corn collection as well as uh, a bunch of other films that I got cheaply through them. Uh, Twilight Time, what have they done for me? Well, they haven't done anything for me. They've re- they've released stuff that I can't get to in time before it's out of print or mm-hmm. that it's even worth picking up. Uh,
0: I think if you collect all genres, man, it, it would be a company that you would love because they do release like a lot of older you know, action, drama, like all – types of subgenres. Oh yeah, films
1: probably or, if I and if stuff. it
0: were. Uh, but they do release a lot of really good film films, you know, and stuff, so but
1: yeah I, I only I, I only I, have I was one mainly of speaking of horror, of course when <clears throat> I designed this. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But uh you know I, I think that there is sort of a novelty to to Echo Bridge kind of um having those little uh four you know those those multi packs out there in the world too. But also, you know, if you want to transition into the uh tv thing because i i think they've released some tv shows really cheaply as well um so yeah they they yeah they've done some stuff echo bridge and mill creek they just sound cheap
0: don't they like <laughs> doesn't do. mill creek just sound cheap and then echo bridge you know you know what's <laughs> no. funny
1: about echo bridge is we have this little tunnel down in my uh place where i live you know down the road uh that's sort of like a creek and it goes into a tunnel that's under some train tracks, and we've called it Echo Hollow, um, <laughs> ever, ever. Like, it's always been called Echo Hollow, um, and it always remind like Echo Bridge and Mill Creek remind me of Echo Hollow. Which, by the way, this place is really dirty and disgusting as well. So,
0: <laughs> nice. Sounds awesome. <laughs>
1: yeah. So uh, that's still going on. I- I'll probably post another one tomorrow. Another battle. The next battle will be Shameless versus something weird. Should be kinda interesting. Shameless, of course, from the UK. Shameless versus something weird. Wow. It's interesting.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. Like both companies, man. There's so many companies on there that I love and I collect and stuff, and it's just like uh it's gonna it's gonna get to the point where we're gonna have to make some real tough choices
1: you Yeah, know? and I try to that like the <clears throat> I also want people, you know, if you have a horse in the race, like if you're a huge fan of shameless, like comment like be like look this is why shameless should win you know you can sway people uh um, yeah. I try to type a little something like hey this is what they're known for like just the first <clears> things that pop in my head just so if people are unfamiliar with them they uh can get familiar pretty quickly just based on like a three notable titles or something.
0: I mean the first I mean with shameless the first thing that would come to mind would be yellow cases.
1: Yeah those those are cool man. I, yeah, I man. like the shameless line. Uh do they still release stuff yeah they do they, they're very quiet
0: um but they have announced like i think they were now, or announced a sec recently or was it a sec? i believe so and uh, yeah they've been they've really slowed down but uh you know i'm still trying to i'm still trying to collect some of the ones that i you know that i missed in the past but yeah i mean at least they all still come in yellow cases which is awesome they look great on the shelf yeah but, i
1: so. actually want to pick up that uh Del Morte Del just for the fact of uh, I really like the case and the cover.
0: Yeah, the cover, the artwork that they use, and that's really—it's cool. It's way
1: man. better than the U.S. Anchor Bay cover art. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <clears throat> um, but modes. This episode. Okay, check this out. This episode is episode eighty. If you journey all the way back to episode thirty-seven, we covered your I have no idea. Knights Necromantic. Necromantic. Way back one. in episode thirty-seven, and then. If you journey a little bit further up the list, you have episode forty-four, which was Necromantic Two by Jorgen Berggren. Well, those are pretty close together. Yes, and then if you travel a little bit further down the road, you got episode fifty-three. Uh, you have Der King from nineteen ninety, Jorgen Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this show right here, this is this is Shram, episode eighty, which is quite a far away from episode fifty-three. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty big gap. Since uh, since we've covered a Yord Burkright film, and this is uh, you know coming to us or at least me, courtesy of Cult Epics, they actually hooked me up with quite a fancy little box set. Mm-hmm. You haven't seen it? You got fucking two copies of this movie, man. <laughs> I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Um, which I which totally still, didn't expect.
0: Which I'm still shaking my head at. They sent you the nice box set, and then they sent you the individual release too. And I'm thinking mm-hmm. to myself, going, "Why would they even like? What was the point of that? Unless you were." You know, they wanted you to do unboxings for both or? Yeah,
1: you know, I don't know. It's... But I absolutely love that box set. I think the cover's great. I think the design of it, uh, even though it's, you know, this one case, you have all four discs in there. They all have the cover art. Um, and it's a nice blend of the posters on the on the, uh, you know, the 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 case cover. Um, there's a booklet in there. Uh, the set's pretty. Mm-hmm. The set is pretty sturdy. But most of all what I like most is the inclusion of the soundtracks.
0: I know, it's such a nice addition.
1: Yeah, it, it it really adds something to it. And you know, I mentioned in the video that I did for the unboxing that that's one of the things that I think we're seeing more of with companies mm-hmm. like Brian House uh, out there who are including these soundtracks which honestly I think can can really take off and I think that that will be uh, you know, like like we said previously, if the Return of the Living Dead uh oh, know, Factory Edition would have came with that for their pre order bonus, <sighs> I think th- even though they sold out like immediately, <laughs> uh, I, th- yeah. th- I think that they could have sold more copies just as fast.
0: Oh, big time, big time! Yeah, so I Every, I, I mean, it's I'm such like, a great soundtrack, man. It's such a heck great heck soundtrack. Man. So yeah, such a great selling point.
1: Um, which honestly, like, I do really think that the soundtracks in all of York Burkwright's films that we've covered are, you know, very interesting and definitely notable. And I actually like the music. So, um, definitely well, have it's, that.
0: It, it's definitely one very, very unique things about thing about his films is the soundtracks. Um, like on the individual release of Shram, uh, which of course we're covering today. Um, it says on the back, the special features that comes with the motion picture soundtrack, but unfortunately it's on, it's not on a separate disc. Which is like it is on page. the
1: Blu-ray. It's you know you just go to the menu and click it and then
0: yeah, so you can listen that way. But uh, um, but yeah, the other note, the other thing I noticed about this release also that was kind of strange it didn't have a booklet in it. I think all the other releases have booklets, don't they? No, or something.
1: No, they, they have, have some... like a card, like a like a post postcard looking.
0: Yeah, postcards, or they had some type of insert in there. That's kind yeah. of referring to. But this one doesn't have anything. So
1: I actually haven't opened that individual release, but. Um, you know, I did open the box set and there's a booklet in there. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, it's, it's kind of cool. We've kind of come full circle with, uh, your career. I mean, I I think at this point modes and how crazy is this, this is the only director besides Don Coscarelli that we've covered four films from (laughs) there.
0: It's, it's kind of scary.
1: I'm pretty sure unless, unless I'm wrong.
0: I would have to really look into that. I can't remember. So uh, like in the featured
1: reviews. Oh, oh, actually, fucking Frank Henenlotter.
0: <laughs> oh, of course. Henenlotter. But didn't we just do those shows? Yeah, Holy yeah, shit. yeah.
1: But besides, <laughs> you know, before that, <laughs> there was no.
0: I know. I was totally thinking like right when you asked. The question, I was thinking way, way back. And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um,
1: <laughs> Henenlotter. But definitely dedicated separate shows, too. Mm hmm. Which, there's four shows that are dedicated to this guy now. Yeah. So, th- in that way, he's kind of in the lead here.
0: Yeah, and I think, I think all the shows did relatively well, too. I think people are a little interested, so we'll see how this one does. Yeah, did- I think
1: these ones also are one of those episodes that, that I tell you about where, over time, they, they really find an audience. They bring people in from different corners of the world. Like, they're, they're episodes that are good for search engines. Like... Yeah. When people search Shram, like, we'll probably pop up and they'll find us that way. So it's good. Not so good for immediate numbers, but long-term, you know, it helps the show out great. Uh, you know, like the show Masters of Horror, that one still brings people in. Um, and uh, Necromantic, oddly enough, is another one that does. Uh, but next week, Moods, we are doing anthologies. We are kind of switching up the format a little bit here on the show. <laughs> Uh, we're gonna try reviewing. Right after two we films. said that
0: we're not gonna change anything, <laughs> so we are lying. But uh, no, this was actually something that we'd come up with. I think before we even asked people for the feedback and stuff, we yeah, were just kind of yeah. for it, it was it, it was actually it just stemmed from just brainstorming new or just shows, just ideas for main shows, right? So that's how this came about.
1: Yeah, so we're doing, an, uh, it'll be episode 81, Anthologies. And it will not be like a list form like we used to do on the Burial Grounds where we just rattled off titles and talked about them briefly. We're reviewing two films that are anthology films. And uh, we kind of picked them at random, but uh, what are we doing, Moods?
0: We are doing Nightmares from, I believe, 1983. And uh, we're also doing Body Bags. John
1: Carpenter, which... From...
0: 90 When did that one 91 something early 93 93 it's something like that but oddly enough they're both screen factory releases that actually wasn't planned
1: no i just
0: just realized that those are actually both screen factory releases now so but that is what it is um yeah so anthologies really looking forward to it i know a lot of people out there love anthologies one of my favorites i can see i always say subgenre of horror it's not really a subgenre. it's just a just a style different formats of horror films, I guess is what you want to say. But I love watching anthologies. They they always have so much replay value for me. So
1: yeah. And I've actually never seen nightmares and I have seen body bags, but it's been a long time. So I'm I'm looking forward to revisiting those. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Let us know if you guys, you know, next week when we uh, post that show, let us know if you guys like us uh, covering two films for the feature review reviews, featured reviews uh, in sort of a theme. Yeah, that's right. And of
0: course, you're always welcome to, you know, even throw some ideas for shows our way. Also,
1: Moods, glad you mentioned that, because I want to throw out something. Yep. The person, I want ideas. (laughs) I want interesting ideas, not like, hey, you guys should review uh, Crocodile. You know <laughs> you know not not film recommendation, I want show ideas, yeah something out there, something different, uh you know whatever the person who comes up with the best show idea, how about we do it? yeah, sounds good to me, so people be creative what what do you guys think are? Uh, you know, outside the norm shows. Uh, so we are
0: we, we going to give them a week? So just by next show, whatever the best one is, then that's what that's you yeah. Win? But
1: if there's not a best one, then then no, then they just suck. <laughs> I, I guess yeah. it actually has to be a good idea. We're <laughs> it has not just to be to a pick the best just, yeah. of what was mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, sure, like if you ever thought of a cool idea, which I've heard of a few of them. Like because I even liked Rob uh, from George's idea of doing. A sh- reading the short story, like kind of reviewing the short story of the thing or um, the, what is it called? The people I think from, I forget what the actual short story is called.
0: Oh, I, I actually can't remember. Yeah. I don't remember either,
1: but reading <laughs> that and then covering the thing from another world, John Carpenter's thing and the prequel thing. That's a good idea. I actually like hmm. that idea. Um, And if we ever do that idea, I think we should have Rob on the show to actually be there
0: i think i think he'd be really ecstatic about that
1: uh i actually asked him last night and he was (laughs) oh really i mentioned it i mentioned it if we ever do it um of course we have tons of actually we don't have tons of shows planned i'm not gonna lie but we have tons of ideas in the back of our head that are ready to come out at any moment (laughs) yeah we have director spotlights we have a couple other theme shows that we have planned uh we don't know what our next
0: franchise show I mean, is. There always is franchises and director spotlights and stuff. Look for more like, you know, specific themes like, you know, Western horror themes and like, you know, just things like that. Just like these random sub genre ideas. That'll be very cool. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Even it could even be, you know, like how we did last year with the Italian horror month. It could be. You know uh you know a French theme show or whatever it could be anything it could be country based just put yeah
1: you know. I want to do a uh, maybe a scarecrow show one day I would like to do a evil parents show one day you know what I want to do one
0: day I want to do killer genitals show yeah let's do like it killer vaginas and killer peanuts yeah whoever I think that would that would be amazing <laughs> let's do it <laughs> killer genitals. killer yes yes
1: do that right killer now. genitals one <laughs> yeah, exactly because we we're we definitely there's, gonna do more there's definitely a <laughs> there's couple about eight seven or eight i think oh yeah out there
0: i can think of a few right up the top of my head right now it's actually pretty funny so yeah um oddly enough we just did a show about
1: mutated genitals and things like that yeah dude i'm totally down <laughs> for this this is actually a good idea um i'm we can I'm liking these oddball ones. Of course, we have stuff like anthologies, which is very basic, but uh, we can even make the theme more out there. And and that's what's cool about these themed episodes is you can do anthologies two and anthologies three and you know so on and so on, like mm-hmm. killer genitals. When we get to killer genitals four, we'll be digging the bottom of the barrel, or right? will we be digging the bottom of the barrel? with episode one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, man, um, throw out some ideas. We're always open to different ideas. Um, don't be afraid, man, throw it out there. If you, if you are afraid of other people judging your idea and thinking it's stupid, you can always email it to, uh, to us or PM it to us. You don't have to put it in the group page. That
0: is right. That is right. You can group page it. Uh, email. Of course, drop us a voicemail. Um, and, uh, leave comments on the videos. There's tons of places to do it. Absolutely. Just do it. Thank you. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, well, is that all? Is that all we have? Yeah, that's our intro. All right. Well, I guess we might as well get into
1: the news this week. Do we got some news? Yes. Not much, though. So, yeah. first up, I don't know how much horror this is, but it is on bloodydisgusting.com and, it is cl- classified as horror comedy. So Yoga Hosers. Uh this is Kevin Smith's new movie. Uh part two in the Great North the Great White North or the Great North trilogy or whatever he's calling it. Um, <laughs> first was Tusk, then Yoga Hosers, and then uh Moose Jaws in the future, which th- is the one I'm most looking forward
0: to. How is Kevin Smith born American? Like I, I swear he's like obsessed he loves with Canada.
1: Canada. He I know. really truly does.
0: Oh, I know, man. Like it started with his his obsession of Degrassi, and he ended up buying the whole fucking original series and
1: shit. Like <laughs> he
0: owns the rights to that shit. It's ridiculous. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: So Kevin Smith's Yoga Hoosers has a July 29th release date. Uh, there's just it's gonna be a sort of um, limited release. You got New Orleans, uh, you got Florida, uh, Houston, Columbus, Ohio, uh, Durham, North Carolina. Uh, San Jose California and San Francisco California so uh, just a couple couple, I'm sure more dates will come sooner I was actually curious I I didn't know exactly what this was at all like what it was going to be about so there is a little bit of a synopsis here okay okay first of all so all those
0: all those uh those dates yeah were any any of them in Canada
1: no I was actually surprised at that
0: (laughs) So, so this is the second film in his great white northern trill. Whatever he's doing, but he's doesn't he's not having any Canadian dates. Not yet. That seems odd. Doesn't that seem weird? You think you want to showcase it to where it's you know being present? Ah, I don't know. That's fucking strange to me.
1: Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) something that came out the other day was that it uh, originally had an R rating, but it has been bumped up to a PG thirteen. Rating, but for (laughs) unknown reasons, like I don't think there was anything changed.
0: I guess I guess that is kind of going upwards, right?
1: Yeah, it depends how you look on it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. PG thirteen. That doesn't sound
0: appetizing at all. No, no. (laughs) I don't want to watch. Fuck, really? No, because I mean, seriously, man, Kevin Smith movies. You know, are generally a lot of dick and fart jokes. But if you're going to dumb down that, you know, take all that shit out there. And then what do you got left in a PG-13
1: film? See, um. For a horror film? Kevin Smith, I, th- I honestly do think that he, he plays too much into the humor sometimes. Um, Obviously, his comedies are supposed to be humorous. But I'm mainly talking about Tusk. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that, that was a really good movie for the most part, and then I just felt like it just went a little too comedic on a lot of parts. Um, because I actually thought that the subject matter was actually pretty disturbing, um, mm-hmm. and I think if you did play it straightforward, it actually could have been very disturbing.
0: Yeah, I think I think that movie would have been very interesting to watch, just totally straightforward. You know, you take out uh, uh, Johnny Depp's character, and you. Know, <laughs> You know, you completely cut his character out of the film, and you play the rest of it just, you know,
1: brutally honest and straightforward. And uh, yeah, yeah, you have it, a different film, It wasn't film, even man. mainly the Johnny Depp's character because I did like all the jabs at Canada and stuff because I thought they were subtle enough. Um, yeah. It was, it was more like sort of the ending, and I, I don't know, like there's just. The certain, jo- I think it was just more the character days. wasn't
0: everyone's like cup of tea you know i think he just kind of stood out to the point where it was like well probably could have done without that character kind of thing well if
1: he is not everyone's cup of tea then everyone will probably not like yoga hosers because uh this plot centers around a 15 year old yoga enthusiast uh two girls who hate their after school jobs at a manitoba convenience store uh (laughs) al clark's and one of them is actually played by harley quinn which is Kevin's nice. daughter nice. Uh, and they team up with Depp's manhunter character to battle an ancient evil. That's right. Johnny Depp who will reprise his role as Guy LaPonte oh, for fucks from sakes. 2014's Tusk. So uh, more Johnny Depp's crazy character uh so yeah i mean I, honestly i am interested because it like well exists. i think there's
0: a right there's a right world to set that character maybe this is the right world i, I for some exactly it just, this it, seems it felt,
1: more of a comedy like a best friendy girl yeah. power adventure thing
0: it you know thinking back on Depp's character and f it just seemed a little out of place at times so i think that's what threw a lot of people off but i think yeah you throw them into the right world you know the right. um Tone and stuff and utilize it properly. I think it's I think it could be effective though. So I think I think there is something there.
1: Um this is very interesting though the uh Kevin Smith's daughter, you know, Harley Quinn Smith, mm-hmm. uh, who's now sixteen years old,
2: is yeah, that's fucking crazy, starting
1: dude. her acting career. I mean, this is a starring role. And apparently she's supposed to be in Moose Jaws as a cameo or whatever as well. She was in tusk as as a clerk who so the, you know his his films all take place in a similar universe which as a fan of that style i you know i think it's awesome like i, I like how you know tarantino kind of does that every once in a while and stuff so um i like the idea that all the films are connected in the same world in some way and uh these three definitely are so I'm curious to see Moose Jaws. Yeah. I'm cu- I'm curious to see Yoga Hosers, what it's like and I'm yoga actually hoser. curious <laughs> see to see <laughs> uh where Harley Quinn's career goes because this you know, she could become pretty big. I I I you know, just I have a feeling. Just have a feeling.
0: Yeah, she might become like a huge Canadian actor. <laughs> and she's not even Canadian.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, just fucking Yoga hosers, man. That title is just still killing me. It's ridiculous.
1: So after that we have uh the announcement of uh, 20th Century Fox is looking to uh the past uh for a future entry in the Omen which uh is reported by bloody disgusting uh what? possible prequel is uh potentially happening there is a TV show the Omen <sighs> I think it's on already so prequel no fuck. <laughs> The the only thing that I like about prequels to old shit is sometimes they set it in old times, which I'm a fan of. It's like a (laughs) good piece.
0: You like that? uh, You like the prequel, like from uh, Tremors? You know, Tremors Four,
1: the remake. You mean? No, it's a prequel. Oh, not going that rap hole (laughs) again. Uh, So yeah, Damien. Who knows? I've still yet that's yeah, I mean that I, should be our next franchise I recently picked up the box set or not picked it up but I won it in a contest I don't really think
0: I, I mean I don't I'm not overly the hugest fans of prequels a lot of the time like the odd one here and there is interesting Um, I don't know if I'm getting overly jacked up about a prequel to the omen I would What's like to the see. best
1: prequel ever that's a good question did we do top 10 prequels on top 10 Tuesday nope Hmm. We did not. Interesting. It's an it interesting. Que- no,
0: it's not. That's an interesting question, though. You know your the, your favorite best prequels of all time. Psycho okay. Four. Psycho Four is good. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a really good one. But getting back to the Omen prequel, I don't know, man. If I really want to see a prequel to that, at all. Yeah. I think I'd rather I... see it sequel. I mean, you know, just kind of forget that they made a remake and just make another sequel. <laughs> I don't know.
1: I actually can't comment on it because I've not seen any of the Omens. Oh, oh, God. The the
0: remake is... It's not like a horrendous film. It's just not good. It's pretty much like a... It's kind of like the Psycho remake in a way. It's more shot for shot. But it's the casting in the film that's really shitty. Like, it's just... It's acted shitty, yeah. in my opinion. And it's just... It feels out of place and it feels forced. And I don't know. It's a bad thing. So let's just forget about that. <laughs> and then just... Uh, I mean, if they want to go the prequel route, you know, at least it's a prequel to... Like, the original omen, I'm I'm assuming what they're going to do. Yeah. So, I would so. But I guess a prequel. Which is also play. makes the remakes remake is,
1: even more pointless. Like, that, that keeps happening.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess if you had a prequel, it could still be a prequel to the remake. Because there's essentially the exact same story. Yeah. You know? So. But, you know, let's just Kinda say the like prequel is going to be 4. to the original. Drummer's <laughs> <laughs> 4 is, yeah. Is, is a good prequel. It's a good prequel.
1: <laughs> no, it's the exact same story. Like, the remake of... uh yeah, whatever. Listen here, dude. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean uh, the, you the other best prequel out there is Amityville 2. How about that? Mm, throwing them mm-hmm. out left and right. Uh, yeah. yeah you know, better than the original film. It's kind of it, you know, you mentioned Psycho the remake. I've always kind of said this when I think of when I actually am serious about remakes, I'm actually like rating, you know, reviewing them. You could throw Elm Street into this mix psycho all the bad ones that we don't like had the previous films never existed let's say there was never a nightmare on elm street film and that came out the remake it would probably be pretty good like everybody would be like wow that was so original and stuff like that you know so Mm -hmm. it would it would probably probably be good it wouldn't be nowhere near as uh you know good because it's just not it's not that good of a movie compared Mm -hmm. to the original so i can't say that they're necessarily bad bad movies They're just bad remakes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I mean,
0: it's a good point. It's a good point. Um, Because there's no matter how you look at it, when you watch a remake, as much as you want to separate yourself from, you know, the original film and go in with an open mind, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you can do it to a point. You're always going to be you know referring or relating that remake back Especially to the original film you're be specific comparing.
1: scenes like you well, take the elm street remake for example and i can't wait to cover this series one day because the face in the fucking the yeah where freddy's face comes up through the me wall more than well than that's anything.
0: that's like the prime example of a scene in a remake that is outrageously shitty because it looks so much better in the original film which had like what a tenth of the budget. You know yeah. they they made this shit with like real latex. It was just shitty effect that really worked. It was effective. It was effective it looked good. You it's know one they of spent the best no money in the movie. Yeah, and they spent no money on it. I mean, we've watched the the Elm Street documentary. Like, they, I could have literally been on set
1: of the remake <clears throat> and been like, "Okay, this CGI thing you're going to do? Fuck that. Cut the Hey, can you cut a hole in this wall? I know it looks so bad Hey, and and no make latex no... apartment. Can you bring a big sheet of latex over here? Hey, you got some <laughs> paint? You need to match this white paint
0: then you look over to the left and you see fucking – you see fucking Carl on his computer going, oh, I'm out of a job. Yeah, and then I'll be like, you know what?
1: We're going to have to dim the lights a little lower, a little lower, a little lower, a little lower because we got to hide these edges over here. but It's you know, not hard. It's it's that, seriously – I bet I bet it's not that hard.
0: And those are the scenes that separate yourself – that kind of separate the film from being a decent one and a good or a bad one or whatever It's shit like that. You know, because you can't help but compare that to the original. You're like, well, in 1984, they did a lot fucking better and more effective with no money. Dude, and, I'm and telling latex. you right now, like, dude, when we get
1: this into this film, when we get into Elm Street remake, we're going to have an hour long conversation on Elm Street remake because I have so much to say about it. I, I, I see people defend it. Um, yes, it is not the worst movie in the world. It's, no, it's not. It's, 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 it would be a good movie had there not been another Elm Street film ever, uh, but it would not be as amazing it's Mm not because it's just not that good but you know so when i hear people defend it and stuff it 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 kind of irks me a little bit because i there's so many things wrong with it as a remake that it just baffles me like i remember people saying like oh they made it scary again they took away his one-liners i'm like no they didn't are you watching the same movie as me he i was just petting him (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's still doing it he's still doing the (laughs) one-liners yeah 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 sorry
0: nancy i Dude, was just petting him i'll never i'll never forget it too man i saw that movie i saw that film in the theater so did I. with my buddy dylan we actually went and this was when dylan was just kind of getting more into horror films and stuff and uh he wasn't like overly too familiar with you know just probably what was good and bad he's probably laughing when he listens he'd be laughing but i remember we walked out of this out of the cinema and he was like yeah i thought it was pretty good and i was like oh my god i, hated I, it. <laughs> I was so fucking mad and like i think he was so confused on why it was i had this such extreme distaste for this film you know he's like and i'm thinking to myself the whole time I'm like it's not really the worst film in the world but no matter how you look at it, you can't look at I I, I always forget the guy's name that played Freddie. I always call Tom him Haley. Jackie or Haley. I always call him Haley Joe Osmond. <laughs> Jackie <laughs> or Haley. I don't know why. I always could think of fucking. But anyways, I thought he was atrocious, to be honest. Like, I, I thought the makeup looked bad. I think it was just the whole makeup of the whole aesthetics of that whole the character that was bad. He just he seemed a little pudgy for me and like just odd looking, and the makeup was shitty and and his
1: voice I don't know it just that's another thing people always give him like massive amounts of credit like they're like they're like but you okay like it's not the greatest movie in the world but Jackie O Haley's performance was actually pretty good it's like nah it was all right it was all right it wasn't it wasn't it was not you know anything like Robert England um I think that I, think Englund's... other people could have done better it was I think okay.
0: Robert I think Robert England's portrayal of Freddy came out so natural because it was just he just kind of thought, OK, this is what I'm going to do. And then, you know, this character, he comes in there and he's like, well, he said, I'm going to try and amp it up. I'm going to be a little more darker in his voice. And all of a sudden he's got this whole Batman thing going on. You know, it's like, what the fuck? He's man? like
1: emo. Like it just it,
0: it sounded off to me. It sounded forced. And I was like, this is not I'm not buying into this. I mean, his character was almost darker than everything in the film yeah it was like it was it was sinister but like almost in a comical way if that yeah, makes any i'm not' sense,
1: I'm, you know? I'm, I'm I'm really like <laughs> one of those people who uh, i I will battle with that film forever because at the end of the day i I'm not gonna rate it like a three or anything like that but um I just think that anytime I hear a positive argument on the film, I can just counter con- like uh combat it like you know just I'm... left and right like everything you say positive. I can tell you why you're wrong.
0: You know, all I wanted from that remake was I didn't care that, you know, Robert England wasn't, you know, that they were going to generally do, you know, the same story and stuff. They could have used the same story, obviously, but just, uh, just went a little different route with how it plays out you know they basically made another like almost shot for shot remake you know with with certain subtleties and things like that the body count is relatively the exact same in the original film you know and things like that they should have set up try-
1: the same it's you know yeah it, it's just the characters it's, are the same
0: it's exactly what a remake is you know in definition they just remade the film essentially with with certain subtleties and things and i think that's what really bugged me because i i'm not against remakes whatsoever as long as you're doing something different you know, you can take the general idea, but just kind of, you know, do your own thing. And I
1: think it was just That's a missed I opportunity. I the chainsaw I think, remake works so well.
0: Yeah. And I think it was just a missed opportunity. I think they just, they can use the idea of Freddy of what he is and where he comes from, what he, you know, um, you know, not make him a child molester.
1: <laughs> but, I'm not the I honestly, like, I don't hate that. And I, I I'm sure we'll it get bugs me it. a little
0: bit because well, after because you that, have a tattoo of him on your arm. I know. I have all the characters on me. And then also a fucking week after this movie comes, everyone's like, Oh, how do you feel about having a child molester on your arm? I'm like, fuck, it's not fucking <laughs> funny, man. Like, honestly, I can usually laugh at everything. I laugh at myself all the time, but I'm like, dude, that's not fucking funny. Dude. I, I I stopped wearing sleepless shirts for a while, yeah, and I'm yeah, like yeah. I'm showcasing the shit around but, until this dies down. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Um, so I was I was personally I felt like I was being personally attacked by this, <laughs> and I was like, but that's not the sole reason. I didn't even think about that too too much until it got brought up. Listen, after this, I'm
1: but. all for the, the idea. Right? Let's let's make him a child molester. Um, To make him as dark and let's have people stop rooting for him because like let's make him scary and a a bad character again a despicable person but The problem with that is you did that you made him the child molester But then you didn't make him dark and scary and not drop him one-liners. So it is conflicting you have conflicting uh, ideas mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, th- that's great. one of my problems like I will tear this film apart I've watched it a couple times and I, kn- I beat for beat like I know everything that's wrong with it don't let me get started on Nancy the most blandest boring final girl ever like her mm-hmm. boyfriend was much cooler than her uh, I cannot believe the girl next door vibe that Heather Lang camp brings to the table completely gone with Rooney Mara she's yeah. like she talks like she has like a little stick in her ass like she's just like it's it's annoying like i don't like her at all
0: (laughs) just a little mini butt vibrator
1: (laughs) (laughs) anyway let's move on before we fucking review the entire movie what what show is this is this
0: the shram from 93 show or is this the Nightmare on Elm Street remake?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. I could go on that one forever.
0: I know. I, I have a feeling this is going to be a pretty interesting conversation when we do this franchise down the road.
1: Yeah, which obviously we're saving it for a special day or something. But, you know, it, it'll come. It'll come eventually. It'll definitely be a huge show because um, lo- it's my probably my second favorite franchise. Moods' Moon's favorite franchise. So, yeah. Uh, Zombieland 2. Apparently, if you remember a while back, they did the uh, Zombieland film. And then they tried to. They talked about a sequel for goddamn ever, and yeah. then they did a short-lived TV pilot show or something that was on Amazon Prime. Like and it, it lasted video. what the, it the lasted, pilot like, episode? The pilot and it didn't get picked up or whatever. Yeah. Um. They recasted everybody. Did you ever know, see that? I no, I didn't. No, I like. Was there anybody notable casted in that? I don't know. I honestly don't like Zombieland that much. Like it's okay. Um, but it's much like much like Shaun of the Dead, and where I just it's it's too almost like fourth wall. Well, obviously it is fourth wall breaky because the character oh. like talks to the people. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm just not overly a fan of those kinds of films. I
0: I had a really good time when I first seen that film because I went and watched it at the cinema actually with about fuck shit, fuck shit. Jesus, is that necessary to swear that much? Um, no, I think I think I went with like eight or ten people or something, like that, and we just. We we're just having a great time. It was just fun, you know, and I don't know. It's just I think it being in that type of setting just really brought it out. And so I'm not overly the hugest fan of it now either. Like I don't dislike it at all. I probably like it way more than you. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, I know exactly where you're coming from, but for me it is so much better than Shaun of the Dead though.
1: Yeah, I sad. like it more than Shaun of the Dead too. Um but anyway, this isn't really like big news. It's just that uh, apparently some sites are saying that um it is potentially filming in Atlanta this August Uh, so that's like casting sites are reporting that so you know it could be a a fluke like just a mess up a flub or it could be you know legit but I honestly don't care either way
0: (laughs) I don't know man I mean I think it's kind of past its its time you know I think if they had done the sequel right away like they probably should have instead of trying to turn it into a fucking TV show yeah, um, you know, I think it's just it's just past its time. It's, it's it's done. You know, who knows? It'll probably be like the biggest sequel ever <laughs> when <it> comes out. <laughs> Wouldn't that just piss you off? Yeah. That be um,
1: yeah, I, I don't know. It's I'd be interested not... if
0: they get back Woody Harrelson, though. I think that'd be fun.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: I love him. He, <laughs> I, I love him. I wish that guy would do more movies, actually. He's he's fun.
1: So. Uh, after that, we got a little bit of news that um, Tom Savini is set to star in From Dust Till Dawn. The series he's gonna be in season three, uh, wow. so uh, that show's still going on strong. Uh, I don't know if he will play his sex machine character. I actually I'm so far removed because I only watched a couple episodes in the first season that I don't know if they kept going along the path that the original films were. So if he's playing like a similar character, something completely different. Um, I don't know but you know I I did like where I did like that show when I was watching it Um, and I do own the first season I do want to pick up the second season on blu-ray and you know uh, actually watch it Uh, it's it's a cool it's a cool kind of way that they did it where it's like the first season seemed like it was just going to be a remake of the first uh, movie like throughout a long form with like recasting of all the characters and stuff it it was kind of interesting because it the characters weren't like that bad that actually felt very similar um so it it take it was a little jarring at first but i was into it so uh that's good news for me uh you know we we talk about TV all the time and how we're way behind way out of the loop i think that would be cool man if he
0: was playing the sex machine yeah an older sex machine like an older section i mean tom savini doesn't seem to age that much though i mean he's (laughs) pretty old he's pretty old man like you know it's crazy it's actually crazy when you think about it. He doesn't look too much older, but yeah. No, but he's he's got to play the sex machine. That character's iconic, man. You know the Dick Gun. Come on, it's amazing. Yeah. How about this?
1: Uh, goosebumps. Uh, the goosebumps. TV show, book series that was before the TV show, uh, and then feature film, theatrical film uh, happened, and apparently. A uh, sequel is uh, going to be happening as well.
0: Hmm. Is this one going to have Jack Black in it too? <laughs> uh,
1: it's honestly, sure.
0: it's honestly the the re- the sole reason why I haven't watched the film yet because I'm really not a big fan of Jack Black. I know people are shutting off the the cast now. How can you I hate like Jack Black? Don't like Jack Black, honestly. Around here, man, everyone fucking sucks the guy's balls. It's like, oh, I love Jack Black. He's so funny. And be kind, rewind. And I'm like, no, he's not. Uh, he's the, right. Most stuff was way better than that film, man.
1: I, I, I mean, there's certain things I like Jack Black in. Like, uh,
0: I like School of Rock, but I will admit I like that because that's more up his alley as an I, actor. That's actually the movie actor. I hate. I well, hate it's funny movie. because he's a musician, right? So that makes a lot of sense you know, for him to do something like that. I don't know.
1: Like Tenacious D in The Pick of Destiny was pretty cool. With that I mean that's that's him he's just playing himself. <laughs> I know. Right? Um so, yeah he was in what was he in? He was in um but he's Airborne. been miscast. Remember that he's movie? He's been
0: miscast though man. Like remember when he was in the fucking
1: King Kong remake? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like shit like that. I'm just like why would you remember give that? Remember when he job was in Jack uh, Wak? Wow? I still know what you did last summer. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <That's> <laughs> he was right. awesome in that. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. So you said that. Dude that is funny as hell. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, actually, he's showing up in a lot of random things, man. Oh, oh yeah. what was that stupid fucking comedy, Orange County, that he was in? Oh,
1: dude, Orange County's cool, man.
0: We sucked. It was oh, not I'm funny. I'm a fan was... of that era of like uh, movies. I, I I remember renting that film, being so disappointed. I'm like, dude, that shit wasn't funny.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not like... really that. No, it's not really funny. It's just yeah. It's... He's actually I
0: not even in the movie. The movie. That movie. He just plays the. He plays him. He plays himself again in that movie. He just plays the older stoner brother. <laughs> Although he is cool in high fidelity. I will give him that with John Cusack. You ever seen that one? Nope. The one about uh, the record store and stuff. Yeah, he's fucking, he's
1: cool in that film, man. He's cool in that film. So this sequel um, is not like confirmed or anything, but the director of the Goosebumps and the writer are looking to close deals with Sony to return the property. It made a lot of money, so chances are it will happen. I haven't seen it yet, but I've actually heard pretty good things for, you know, a kid's movie. I heard it's pretty fun so i'll I'll definitely check that out eventually yeah um uh besides that uh that's kind of all the main news but we do have a few uh announcements for for dvds and uh blues and uh yeah so uh the first one that i thought was pretty interesting back on that horror tv kick uh, we have Slasher, which I guess is a chiller TV series. A um, lot of good, positive things people were saying about it. So, um, I haven't cool. heard. I haven't heard anyone say anything bad about it. Yeah, so it's I was surprised like, to hear yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but that's coming from Scream Factory. Uh, cool title pickup, but honestly, uh, as long as it's not like fifty dollars, like if they could get it for so- put it out a little cheaper.
0: So, are they releasing? Did they announce it on DVD and Blu ray? Or is it just Blu ray? It is DVD and Blu ray. Oh,
1: so people got a choice. Yeah, which. I know you pick up most of your TV on DVD. I am. A, I, I have love this weird <laughs> TV. It's so much more expensive to buy TV on Blu-ray than DVD. That, like it's way more expensive. And that's exactly why I do.
0: I, the only TV series I have on Blu-ray are the ones that I can't get on DVD, like Holliston and the Twin Peaks. Well, you can get on DVD, but I never bought that old box set. But. Yeah, for the most part, I have
1: everything on DVD, man. I love so, TV on Blu ray. I like it. I, sometimes I like it more than movies on Blu ray. There's just oh, something that is, about stuff. Oh, that's
0: crazy talk.
1: I ah, like dude. the TV more than the Blu ray. Well, dude. Well, so, I don't know. I just, because, like, I'm most new. I'm talking about new TV. Like, I, for, for some reason, when I watch new stuff and it's on DVD, it bugs me. Like, obviously. What about know, TV
0: films on Blu ray or first DVD?
1: Well, like, what? Like, like
0: Sharknado.
1: Well, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to watch that.
0: <laughs> Why are you going to Who's Who's not going to watch Sharknado? I watch
1: Sharknado. it for the show. I own one and two on DVD, but I don't care about it enough to buy it on Blu ray. But I'm saying, like, if I, if I watch, like, if I buy, like, something, just for example, like Game of Thrones, like, I don't want to see it in standard def. This is 2016, baby. We got to watch this in high def. You know what I mean? So, oh, fuck th- they put I'm that- a big fan of TV on Blu ray, for sure. I, it actually annoys me. Like, because I, I got Scream in a screener, <clears throat> and the one thing that I hated about it was it is a DVD. They did not release a Blu ray, and I'm like, shit, that shit's in HD on Netflix. <laughs> you know what I mean? And when I watched it on MTV, it was in HD. This is going to be a huge step down in quality. And when I popped <laughs> it in, it does feel like a huge step down in quality. Like, so you're obviously, it's still. Spoiled motherfucker, quality. you <laughs> uh, Well, obviously. Obviously, I am. I, I live in a world where everything's in HD now. Like, I, w- I was watching the fights over friend's house like two years ago and he he's like hey we're gonna i'm just gonna get him in standard d i was like standard d are you serious and like yes, the whole know. time watching him i'm like <sighs> i'm like i'm like
0: honestly i'm like that too man like if i can order something like for the fights i'll always go hd you
1: got it, to dude. it's such a big difference i, I know it, it's so it weird bugs but me but so bad I, i'm so used like, to it it's they don't notice it, but seriously, dude, it it drives me crazy. Hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, I get that. I mean, it's just certain things. I have OCD when it comes to things. I don't know. Yeah. I'm weird. I'm weird.
1: So anyway, <laughs> uh, that's coming out July twelfth. Uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully it's uh, not too expensive. Let's let's see what the pricing is. Right. Oh, dude. On whoa, on ScreamFactory.com, dot com, it's only twenty two ninety nine. For so, the blue? Yeah, for the blue. What, so well the DVD
0: must be like twelve then. Shit, uh, the that's DVD a good The Dvd is
1: sixteen ninety nine. But that's <sighs> even on Scream Factory's website. So it's gonna be you're gonna be able to get this for twenty bucks. That is an appropriate price. Thank
0: you. Well, you know what, man? For twenty bucks to get the season on Blu-ray? Fuck, why not? Exactly, bro. <laughs> See, so, it come, it's, it's it really does come down to a price. Yeah, you know? Money does. talks, you know, yeah. one way or the other.
1: <laughs> yeah. So Uh, After that, they announced something that I thought was really cool. This is Scream Factory as well. I've been waiting for this announcement for quite a while. When they announced Psycho 2 and 3 way back in the day, like 2014, I was like, huh, where's Psycho 4? Why not put out all the other three, the other
0: other one. But remember, remember, on the fucking Scream Factory Facebook page, I distinctly remember somebody asking when 2 and 3 dropped they said hey are you guys going to release part 4 and they said at this time we can't we can't get the rights or whatever so we have no yeah so see, we're that does not doesn't make so sense not,
1: because universal has the rights and they were working with universal back then but i think didn't they short wasn't was those the last two universal films that they released and took a break so i'm not i'm here. not 100% sure because they um, remember, they recently, but, like within the last year, got back with the universe. Yeah, yeah. So I'm
0: wondering if maybe it had sh- kind of shifted. I don't know. Maybe there was something going on with certain things in it or something. I don't know. But I, I distinctly remember them writing on the Facebook page saying that they had no plans to release it because they, they couldn't get the rights or something like that. And I was like, oh, so that sucks. We're never going to see part four. And then what well, was a few months ago, uh, I'm not sure the company in Australia, but they just released a umbrella. Uh, Umbrella. Yeah, it was Umbrella. So they released the box set uh, with it on Blu-ray. And I was like, shit, that's crazy. And I remember there was a bunch of people over here that I were picking it up. And <laughs> and then, lo and behold, it gets announced over here. So something probably broke and Umbrella released it first and then Screen Factory could acquire the rights. Something yeah. had to have happened because they probably couldn't do it before. And who knows? Something obviously happened. Yeah, I wonder
1: so um, I, wonder, I wonder if you know, honestly, probably once they got back in – what I think probably happened is um, they just wanted to see how it played out with Psycho 2 and 3 and, you know, save 4 for a later date, like three years later. And, you know, once they got back with Universal, it was probably one of the titles they were, you know, curious with and they decided to finally go with it now. Um, You know, Psycho – same thing goes for like Jeepers Creepers 1 and 2, right? Like they obviously could have released those for years because MGM – but, it, you know, it's kind of like you don't release everything at once. You know what I mean? So I guess, yeah. I, see, I, I read a funny-ass comment the
0: other day bit. about cheaper Creepers, actually. Some dude was like, he's like, what? He's like, I'm a big fan of the double features. And he's like, some, some of your guys' collector's editions don't seem like they should be collector's editions. I'm like, <clears throat> death death becomes her. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, okay, that kind of makes sense. And then he went on to say, he's like, Cheaper's Creepers, man, would have made a perfect double feature. I'm, you know, yeah, and I'm like, in the
1: dump bin right now in Walmart. I was like, I
0: was thinking to myself too. I'm like, there actually is a double feature with that already, <laughs> but released by
1: yeah, literally. If you would make it a double feature, it would be a hundred percent pointless of a release, almost unless the feature, you know, different features. Yeah. But at the same exactly. time, I mean, like the collector's editions really are the one mm-hmm. selling point for me to pick them up in that uh, in in a re in a repurchase way because I own them on DVD. Yep. Um, but Psycho 4, I will happily upgrade to Blu-ray because I love Psycho 4. I really do. I want to see it in HD. I'm, I'm cool with that. I li- I, I'm i a big fan of Psycho films. Uh, they're, they're films that I don't mind upgrading at all
0: no and i mean the only way to get psycho four here before was in what the three pack right with two three yeah yeah so
1: technically yeah it's it's kind of an even bigger upgrade so maybe they'll go like all the way out and they'll release
0: bates Bates motel Motel. (laughs) (laughs) and we get rid of that four pack because they still got to rock that too just for that uh bates motel (laughs)
1: um after that we have an announcement of session nine i've actually never seen that film um but
0: I wasn't very happy about that today. I know Jeremy was like excited. jerking off all over his fucking computer today over that one, but um, not really that excited. I, I honestly, I'm not a big, f- I'm not the hugest fan of session. It's a good film. It's a good film. Don't get me wrong. Jeremy's like in love with it, but I just that seems like a weird title for them to release. But then again, you know, I sound like a broken record because I've said this a few times in the last few weeks. But I just never thought you know Screen Factory would pick something up like that seems a little strange
3: yeah
1: i I actually just uh i've never seen it so i don't it's because it's not like you know the
0: way screen factory seems to do it they go with a little older titles or they go with a lot of contemporary titles this one's like an early 2000s type deal it
1: it doesn't seem really like cult like you look at something like well that's and it's like okay dog soldiers fits it it Mm -hmm. might be modern like 2002 ish but it's called it got a cult following
0: Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm exactly Exactly. I, I think Session 9 is one of those films that... Like Stigmata. <laughs> I don't think it, it's... Yeah. you know Stigmata gets a bad rap. It's a film that I, I would rather not see Screen Factory release, but it's not that bad of a film,
1: let's face it. Mm-hmm. Come on. Uh, so after that, this isn't an official announcement, but Jeremy actually shared this. Apparently, Tom Holland was at a uh, convention and was talking about he recently did a commentary track with Shout Factory for uh, Child's Play.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I saw that too, and I was like, what? Which actually kind of makes sense. Um, well, didn't we, we we reported on this a long time ago how they actually turned down the Child's Play films.
1: Yeah, So so what happened was... Uh, originally they had the rights to the child from MGM. They had child's play two and three um, that they, you know, were going to release and then Carson Chucky got announced. And then basically they released the box set. So it was like, uh, what do we do? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, what's yeah. the point of us releasing it now? Uh, and, you know, they, they just passed on it because it's like, why would we really what well, nobody's gonna buy our releases um but after it came out they were like wow they didn't do it i, I you know the uh people at scream factory said that uh well shoot we should have released it because they didn't really add any special features to two and three uh which i don't know if they did or how many or what but you know it might not have been uh a lot if they did and you know, that, that's kind of what happened. It just They just passed on it and they kind of regretted passing on it. But I, I figured that they would – honestly, what I thought – and this is why I never bought that box set. I was like, I'm not going to buy the box set because the only films that I care about in that box set, I already own Part 1 on Blu-ray. I care about 2 and 3. Do not care about Brown and Chucky or Seated Chucky on Blu-ray and I already own Curse of Chucky on Blu-ray. So that really limits the box set for me only getting two films that I really care about and the others are double-dipping – so I was like, I bet mm-hmm. that Scream Factory will wait their time, wait a few years, because, you know, you can re-release shit every few years and, and make bank on it because people will rebuy it. <laughs> so I figured that that's what they would do. And mm-hmm. But what I didn't expect was them to release the first Child's Play, which, by the way, if they release these Child's Play And now Play you're forced films, to buy it
0: because you buy all the Scream Factory releases.
1: But I, I would buy it ba- – see, there's a different the, – the, Now the you're going to have me, two though,
0: Child's, Child's Play Blu-rays.
1: Yeah, but <laughs> see, it's different for me because one, it will be a collector's edition. And right away, new cover art is a, is a thing that I like. Uh, and then two, that means new special features, which if it's a film that I care about so much like Child's Play, which I really like and I think is awesome – I w- I always want to know more information about Child's Play, and that goes with Chainsaw 2 and any other film that I really like. I'm there's certain films that I, if it's a new Super Edition, then I, then I'll check it out. You know, I, I'm happy to buy it. Uh,
0: super Edition, <laughs> I like that. That just sounds that just sounds so amped up. You know, that Super Edition. Yeah, the first thing that came to my mind was like this big lenticular with legs and muscles, and I don't know. That's fucking stupid.
1: <laughs> but yeah, know. so I mean, if they are releasing the first Child's Play since MGM owns Child's Play two and three, I would assume that those would probably be eventually released as well. Um,
0: and which they'll drop those into a double feature? No, you no don't way. So? No, you think you think they'll go the uh, sleep uh, the the sleepway uh, camp
1: collector's route? edition?
0: Yeah, and do I one, do. two, and three in collector's editions? I do think they will. Yeah, I mean, I could see them doing that. It'd it's either
1: that movies. or a box set. That they
0: like, know they're gonna, those things are gonna sell. People like the Child's Play franchise.
1: Hell yeah, dude, they're cool. I, I mean, Child's Play is an awesome franchise. It's made my top ten.
0: It uh, was in my top ten too, man. I'm, but I'm even a fan of Bride of Chucky, man. I know it gets like really silly, but there's some moments. Bride of Chucky in a, is a good
1: movie. Like, don't get me wrong, it, it definitely is a good movie. But you know, it, that's. Uh, that's something interesting to keep an eye on. I, I'm, I'm almost certain that it's true based on what I've poked around and looked at.
0: It uh, probably
1: is. But, you know, not official yet. So after that Scream Factory news, we have some Criterion news. Uh, Carnival of Souls is going to be released on Blu-ray July 12th. Pretty Pretty cool stuff. I've actually never seen the original Carnival of Souls. I did own the remake on VHS back in the day. The remake Which I never watched or I, I would try to watch and it just I, I never could get into it as a kid.
0: Hmm. Yeah. The original Carnival of Souls, man. I love that movie.
1: It is so good. So, so good. I'll definitely be checking that out eventually.
0: Hail to. Well, yeah. So what criterion? Um, But apparently on the Blu-ray, they're not releasing both versions on the Blu-ray. See, on, they've released uh, Carnival Souls on DVD before, and it comes with uh, the theatrical and like the uh, extended cut or whatever. Oh, really? And I th- believe the Blu-ray does not have the extended. It's just the theatrical cut. And I was like, that mm. is strange because they released the other one. So I don't know why they wouldn't just put the it on the Blu-ray. The only
1: thing that I could think of is if there's a drop in quality in that extended footage. Yeah, and, they, and since they're Criterion, they can't pull like a my bloody Valentine where they're like the quality of this you know movie is gonna shift up and down or whatever. But the yeah. thing is,
0: people. I mean, I think people understand though. I mean, it's a public domain. Yeah, it's film. Criterion. But
1: they're it's also public, like
0: it's also public domain, and you have to realize that too. It's like you know, I hear some people always complain like, oh man, you know, Night of the Living Dead Blu-ray looks like shit, and I'm just like, well, I'm like, it's a fucking public domain, man. Who people put just, out
1: the Night of the Living Dead Blu-ray?
0: uh some company in the uk did um yeah, well, also umbrella you know why that umbrella just problem, did one too right? though umbrella just did one Just
1: because it's public domain doesn't mean that like you know obviously i can release night of the living dead because it's public yeah. domain but at the end of the day you still need a print of night of the living dead
0: that's which, exactly what i'm saying
1: which not a print but you know a, 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 a negative or whatever you the positive, whatever you're going to use you, not just you,
0: like yeah and you want to you want a good source and that's yeah. the thing. So I
1: believe Dimension actually owns the uh the good print or the good negative or something, whatever it is. For Carnival of Souls? For Night of Living Dead. Oh, for Night
0: of yeah. Living Dead, yeah. Yeah. Um
1: so, I don't know what I don't know what umbrella used,
0: but I know they'd released it before or whatever, so they uh who knows. Apparently it does look better than the one that the UK released, so I don't know. I guess we'll find out. I ordered that uh, double disc. It actually comes with the Night of Living Dead original and the remake on blu-ray and the cool thing about it is is that the way they did the re- the cover arts on it when you just flip the the case around you have co- uh cover art on both sides huh. <laughs> so it's kind of that's kind of different but so i couldn't yeah. pass up man it was like only like two or three bucks more than the the regular night of living dead edition i was like okay hey, yeah gotta go for that so can't wait to see it
1: yeah so uh after that, finally here we have Film Chest Media. Hmm. Uh, they're going to release a three-disc DVD set. This is a uh, 12 sci-fi B movies of the uh, late 20s or the from the 20s all the way to the late 60s. Um, at first, I thought this was Blu-ray, which I thought would have been cool, but it does look like it's just DVD. Um, seems like some of these films are public domain. I think you have Teenagers from Outer Space from 59, Metropolis yeah. from 27. The Amazing Transplant Man from 60, The Giant Gillam Monster from 59, The Phantom Planet from 61, Destroy All Planets from 68, which somehow we passed up on our 1968 show. Which uh, one was that? Destroy All Planets. Oh, Destroy All Planets, okay. Yep. Uh, oh, Gamera, The Flying Turtle Falls Under the... Oh, it's a Gamera movie. <laughs> Uh, the, Shit. the Atomic Brain from 63, The Brain That Wouldn't Die from 62, The Killer Shrews from 59, Phantom from Space from 53, The Wasp Woman from 59, and Attack of the Giant Leeches from 59. So yeah, you I, can probably find pretty much all of those films, like, everywhere. I have pretty much every film in there
0: already, so... <laughs> I have a few of them yeah. myself. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder what kind of Metropolis is going to be, because there's, like, eight different cuts of that film. Uh, yeah, so... You never know what you're getting.
1: That's all of the news.
0: All righty. All right, so getting into mood swings and the DVD and Blu-ray releases for May. We're into a different month. May 3rd, 2016. And I have to say, man, just scrolling through May's releases so far, not that much. There isn't that many releases that are coming out this month. So it's a very, very slow month. It's even actually... The slowest month for Screen Factory in such a long time. They're only releasing six films this month. It's a slow month. It's a slow month. And as a matter of fact, this is just my opinion, but this is by far the worst releasing month for Screen Factory in the history of Screen Factory. The titles, the quality of titles that they're releasing. Um, yeah, I, but I am uh, interested in a few of the contemporaries, though. Uh, a couple of these, a, a couple of them sound okay, but it's like all contemporary. There's uh, one collector's edition and one older film. I'm really interested. The rest are contemporaries, but we'll see. We'll see. Anyways, first up here, we have a film on Blu-ray being released by Dark Sky Films, and it is called Emily. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. You looking at this cover right now? Uh, yeah. Jeremy
1: said it was really good. Really?
0: Wow. Yeah. So it says the babysitter is here, and it's got like a porcelain doll with a head broken on it. So who knows? It could go. Either way, I guess. I don't know.
1: I've actually, I think I heard other people say it was good, too. So Yeah,
0: that's good. I mean, it is Dark Sky. They're pretty good at releasing. Like, you know, most of their contemporary titles are pretty good. Yeah. They do, I mean, they released Hatchet 3. Look, we're talking about that pregame. Hatchet 3 kicks ass. I don't care what anyone says. They've I released that. a
1: lot of good stuff, dude.
0: Yeah, I watched that shit again the other night, man, because I was fucking lazy and I was had Netflix on and just clicked on it. Yeah, it's good, man. So much fun. Uh, next up here is the first one from Scream Factory, and it is called "Sharkansas Woman's Prison Massacre."
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, man, it is. A I, shark I think it's Shark What did they call it? Is it? Sharkan? You said Shark Kansas, or is it Shark Kansas? Shark and Saw? Uh, I guess it is Shark Kansas. <laughs>
0: <Yeah, Shark-ansas. laughs> Whatever yeah, it, it, it is,
1: it, it's stupid.
0: It, it's Shark Kansas Woman's Mass Prison Massacre. So, <laughs> I mean, that's pretty self-explanatory. You got sharks <laughs> killing women in their prison. Oh, my God. It's fucking great. <laughs> Not really, but, you know. But, yeah, that was uh, when Screen Factory announced that, when I was like, really? Like, that just seems so out of left field for them to release a shark film. But might as well jump on the bandwagon, right?
1: If you can get it for 10 bucks, maybe it's
0: worth I mean, I know people like those shitty shark movies. so. I- I love them. I love them. I was just shocked that they were releasing that. It just blew my blew my mind. Uh next up here from uh again uh, Scream Factory, uh we've got uh, submerged with which is part of their IFC Midnight line.
1: Which is uh, the one uh IFC Midnight contemporary film that I actually was looking forward to. I'm a sucker for contained horror. Uh, I actually heard the director of this on a podcast recently, I believe. Oh yeah um and you know he's a guy that I think he did Under the Bed he did Silent Night uh Aut- Automaton Transfusion he's he's done some films um yeah Scream I like the under, Banshee
0: I liked Under the Bed
1: Yeah you did actually so yeah. I I'm curious on this one I I like I like films like this so
0: Scream of the Banshee's not that great Silent Night's not overly that great I
1: liked it more than you did
0: yeah Um, I mean it's 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 one of those films that has it's like a moment film it has good moments Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah this one does look actually kind of cool I'm a big fan of like these underwater type films Uh, like I'm a big fan of Leviathan things like that so maybe it's probably not on that level but who knows
1: (laughs) no I think it's people isn't it like people get stuck in a car that's like half submerged in water or something
0: Oh, maybe that's what it is. I thought it, just by looking at the cover. Oh, yeah, thought- a
1: limousine joyride goes berserk in the breathless pulse-pounding thriller uh, that star's ex-soldier-turned-bodyguard hired to protect a young woman. But while cruising with a group of friends one night, their stretch limo is run off the road into the water by a gang of ruthless kidnappers who dive in to finish the job. Suddenly, it's sink or swim. The bodyguard must fight to keep the vehicle from becoming a watery grave. Um,
0: so it's another one of It's like a films?
1: thrillery type thing. Yeah. But, but I, I what, like if, premises like that. I, don't know I just I just
0: watched a movie like that actually on Netflix, not too Maybe long It was ago. that one. No, it, it wasn't <laughs> that one. It had a different title. But um, next up here from Image, Image is getting into the double feature game. I guess I don't know. They're releasing a double feature of Odd Thomas and Burying the X. Ex. Okay, explain that to me. Um, no. That that's a weird.
1: There's no I, theme to it. It's just two films that they own.
0: I know, it's just so weird. And then they've got another one coming out uh, with Stranded and Way of the Wicked. Um, Way of the Wicked has Christian Slater in it. Oh, actually, they both have Christian Slater in it. Oh,
1: There's uh, the, there's the there's,
0: theme. There's the theme. But yeah, those are from Image, so.
1: Maybe there's a theme on the other one that we haven't picked up on.
0: Maybe, maybe. Uh, from E1, <laughs> this one actually made me laugh, the title of it, called Blood
1: Sombrero. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would have preferred bloody sombrero. But it's just bloody som- blood.
0: I know blood sombrero. It just I know it. It sounds wrong. It should be bloody sombrero. That, that's way better. But yeah, so we got some Mexican horror. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Mm. Maybe it's like Barrio Tales. Uh, I don't know. Who knows? Mm. Yeah, it's very very slow <laughs> with the releases here, man. Uh, we got another one from Image. So Image is stepping up their game again. And this one right here, of course, has to be on today's list. The Haunting of Alice D. <laughs> Just, it's so bad. It's so bad. It's like every fucking week,
1: man. The Haunting of, insert name. I, honestly, though, like like honestly, I think that the cover is better than expected. Yeah, it's not, it's not so bad. I, I will give them that. The, we got a quote. I love reading these quotes. Genuine Chills," a hugely impressive film, says horror asylum.
0: You know what, man? I do that the, at the end of my videos a lot. I'll read the, the quotes on a film, and I'll just make fun of the quotes if I didn't like the film. <laughs> I, do, like,
1: I always am a fan of quotes.
0: Yeah, some of them just crack me up because they're just so absurd sometimes. But um, Still waiting to get our quote. Yeah, The Haunting of Alice D. Jesus, man. They're getting so lazy that they're not even giving her a last name. She's just Alice D, man.
1: Alice D's nuts. Yeah, Alice on <laughs> D's nuts.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's probably Alice Davidson or some bullshit like that, but anyways. <laughs> uh next up here we've got one from Ominous Entertainment called The Mirror. That's right. The Mirror. What the fuck? <laughs> you can't get any more generically. Oh man! Even the cover is super generic, man. This is just awful. What's up with this shit? Where's all the fucking releases? Anyways, uh, we got one next one up here. Is from Dark Sky Films. Now, when I first read the title, I was like, "Oh god, that sounds stupid." Then I saw Dark Sky was behind it. I'm like, you know what? It could be okay. And it's called Cerzo Diabolico. Cerzo Diabolico. I don't know. I don't know. Cerzo Diabolico. I don't know. Chick on the cover with a skull in her hand and a baseball bat. Where's the funny quotes on this one? There is none.
1: <laughs> oh, well, that explains that.
0: <laughs> That's shitty, man. We need one. Can't, we just can't go on. Um, it says Twisted thrillers. so who knows? Who knows? But, yeah, you know, that is pretty much it for the releases. There's, like, nothing
1: May slow. There really isn't nothing. It's kind of like the calm before the storm. anything. There really isn't anything.
0: It's like the calm before the storm, because I know there's a lot of stuff coming out in June, July, and August. I mean, Screen Factory is just just starting to announce their their Summer Fear titles and things like that. So it's going to get out of control with Screen Factory, but then, you know, in the summer all these other companies. So it will pick up, but man, this month is... Damn it. I got like uh, so much stuff. (laughs) It's really fucking dead. Really dead. Um... Yeah, man. So for release of the week, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know, man. I was thinking Dude. about this. I was kind of like, where do I go with this, man? Like, I don't even,
1: I don't even know what I would base my pick on. Considering, I, I mean, have not there, seen one of these ways films. we can go with this. We can base it on Jeremy's review, or not even review, but Jeremy telling me, and then me telling you. <laughs> <laughs> so what uh, about? So what about a one that I'm interested in? Or one that is, well, that's it. There's nothing else.
0: (laughs) Well, honest to God, man, the way I'm going to do this is I'm going to go by a company I relatively do trust. Because I think it probably is the best one. And we do have sort of some insight that it's decent, too. I mean, Jeremy, you know, he has his moments. He has his moments. Sometimes he likes shit a little more than us, like Unfriended.
1: Yeah, never, and I'm, I'm going to even second you on that because it's also the cheapest of the potential candidates. Oh, interesting.
0: All right, so I'm going to go with Emily, Emily from Dark Sky Films. This one actually does look pretty decent, and if Jeremy's saying it's okay, I mean, that is going to be what you're going to pick up this week. He so. didn't even
1: say it was okay. He's like, dude, you need to check out Emily. It's only 10 bucks. That's crazy.
0: So the yeah. Blu-ray's only ten bucks? Yes. And the DVD's twenty four ninety-eight. Yep, it is here. <laughs> what the fuck? Ten dollars and... no, that's what on Amazon.com is. Yeah. Blu-ray. So now they are trying to get you to buy those Blu-rays. Why do even the... release the DVD? That's gotta be a fucking misprint there. That's that's not right. But ten dollars for the Blu-ray? Yeah, can't go wrong. Emily is your choice this week. So Yeah, All right, that well, is uh Talk about a week, week, week. A week week of releases. A week, week of releases. I was trying to get that out, and I just couldn't do it. So I just kept repeating week, (laughs) week, (laughs) week, week, week. My brain was trying to get it out. And I was like, if I just keep repeating it, it might sound funny. But it just got repetitive and annoying. So, Um, But yeah, that's going to do it for the DVD and Blu-ray releases for May 3rd, 2016. And make sure that you run out and buy all of those awesome releases this week. Because... You know, that's what us collectors do. We just like to burn money. Yeah. But, JP, do we got any voicemails or questions this week? I don't think... Do we have any written questions this week?
1: Uh, We have one that we're going to do in knowledge. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure about anything else. I don't have anything off the top of my head. Yeah, okay. I think...
0: But I know we got some voicemails. So let's get into those...
1: Yes, calls. so let's we get have easy some, easy. uh, we have some voicemails, um, let's just go with uh, the one at the top of the list, in, uh, in an alphabetical order. <laughs> yeah. Hey,
2: Moons, fuck you, man. <laughs> this is Matt Mills, your worst nightmare. <laughs> I just called to say you are fucking pathetic, and you're a wither, and, and you suck. You're gay and I don't know. I don't know who
0: you think He's coming gay Vanilla. I for yeah. something.
2: Fuck you man. You say care yeah, and oh, all yeah. you you I don't know, you be like rap music. I don't know what your mom is. And I say you suck and you're pathetic and you're so bad I wouldn't even listen to your show myself. I I, I had uh I had my boyfriend do it. I I I, I mean, I had my friend do it, Scott Wilson, <laughs> and he got your number from the show. I don't listen to the show, it sucks, just like you. And, and, and Wilson said that he, 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 you, you're you cute now because you shaved your beard, and uh that's why he follows you and bothers you, but fuck you, and uh yeah, yeah, you suck, <laughs> and I, I'm only down with exploding heads, so fuck <laughs> you, my man. Uh, Hey, I thought my last question was uh, okay, so I'm going to do a new one. Same question, but new. Let's talk about directors. How about uh, (laughs) your favorite director's best movie and worst movie, and if he's still your favorite, and take your second, third, and see what goes on there. So that's all I got. I'm filling in the shit for Brandon because he don't call no more. So I'm going to call. So later, guys.
1: Peace. All right. So, moods. Uh interesting uh question from Dave. So, first we need to establish uh three of our favorite directors, you know, top 3ish. So, uh what what do you got? who's, who's your top 3? I'm I'm say Falchi? Yes. Uh Carpenter? Um I don't know. I've actually never really
0: made a top 10 <laughs> directors list. I just know who my Yet. favorite is. So, I would probably have to throw Carpenter's definitely up there for me.
1: Argento
0: Argento is way up there for me.
1: Okay, so um, you want to go with Carpenter Argento and Falci then?
0: I think what I'm going to do though I'm going go with Falchi. I'm going go with Falci, Bava and Carpenter.
1: Okay, that's cool. All right, so uh, let's take Falci's best film. What, what would you attribute that to? Uh, well Beyond? my
0: my personal favorite film is the Beyond, so uh, we'll, we'll go with that one.
1: and his worst. We'll stick to we'll stick to horror.
0: Yeah, I'll probably one of my least favorite horror films that he has is Manhattan Baby.
1: Okay, so Manhattan Baby. Okay, now our uh, what was the other one? Bava. What's yeah. his best?
0: Oh man, that's such a hard question. Um, I'd probably have to go with Black Sunday. Black Sunday. Okay, worst. Oh man, you know that's the thing about Bava with horror films. I don't think. I don't think Mario Bob has ever made a bad horror film. I think he's, it's actually really strange. If you look at his filmography and like, he's dipped into other genres, but as for horror, he's never made a bad horror film.
1: So let's um, go with uh least good. So I would probably
0: say maybe, Oh man, I don't want to get, get myself into trouble on this one, but I probably have to go with maybe, uh, maybe Baron blood. Okay. And and I still love the film, though. That's the crazy thing,
1: so. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the third one? Carpenter? Carpenter. Okay. Best film, The Thing? The Thing. Worst film, Village of the Damned.
0: Um, or... Wow. That, that's interesting. Um, Worst film by John Carpenter. Man, I would... You know what? I might even have to go with Village of the Damned.
1: That's my least favorite that I've seen, so... Yeah. So, uh, does that change anything? No, it really doesn't. <laughs>
0: Honestly, with Falchi and, and they Bobet have such
1: big filmographies.
0: And Carpenter, they have such like. There's so many strong films in there, man. Like I love The Fog so much. I love okay. Escape from New York, Christine, Prince of Darkness. They live in the Mouth of Madness, which I find is to be just criminally slept on by fans. It's such an amazing piece of cinema. All I- right pretty sure i said christine but
1: all right um, uh, we'll do mine which carpenter is my favorite probably so let's go carpenter we'll go craven and let's go romero yeah we'll go romero even though even though he's not my f- third favorite probably because i haven't seen a lot of his other films besides his dead films so I don't know, but uh, we'll just go with him for now. Uh, Carpenter, my favorite film is The Thing. Least favorite is Village of the Damned. So uh, you removed those, you still got Halloween, you got The Fog, you got Christine, you got uh, They Live, Prince of Darkness, um, all the other ones he did. Uh, Craven, you take his best film, probably Elm Street, his worst film. Probably the Hills Have Eyes Part Two. I think. What do you think West Craven's worst film is? No, 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 no. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. The swamp Thing. I don't really care for it either. <laughs> um. Oh man, West. But I think Swamp w- Thing's at least a little better made.
0: West Craven's worst film, man. Directed film. Uh. Maybe... I don't know if I want to say that. I don't think that one's that bad. Have you seen Cursed before?
1: Yeah, I like Cursed.
0: And we're talking horror. Maybe maybe Chiller?
1: I haven't seen Chiller. That's one of the, like, two that I haven't seen Yeah.
0: Because, honestly, most of her films are pretty good. I mean, The Hills Have Eyes 2 is definitely a runner in there. <laughs> it's a pretty yeah, I really film. don't
1: like that movie at all. It's just so choppy and <clears throat> shittily made. Um, so uh, Romero best film Day of the Dead, worst film, what the hell is his worst film?
0: Uh, maybe Survival of the Dead. <clears throat>
1: yeah, definitely that is his worst film. Oh, that movie's horrible. <laughs> um, so does it change anything? Hmm, not with Carpenter. He's still number one. <clears throat> Craven removing Elm Street really does affect him a lot, but oh, it does actually. That is interesting. M- removing it actually affects him a lot, but removing Day of the Dead also affects Romero a lot.
0: Yeah, but you know it, it's hard for me because I'm like,
1: because
0: I but, mean he but, still has he still has Night and Dawn.
1: Yeah, which are are potential 10 out of 10-ers.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing, man. I mean,
1: he's got a lot of... Romero has... Romero potentially has three 10 out of 10s. Like, there's not really many directors you can say that with.
0: No, there really isn't.
1: Um, Craven, I don't even know if he has a 10 out of 10 in his filmography. Probably not. Um, Because as much as I love Elm Street, it has a bad ending, uh, which does hurt it. Um, But... You know, Scream. Scream is really good to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you still have Last House and Hills Have Eyes and People Under the Stairs uh, in there. Oh, and, and George and, and Romero's also got
0: Martin, and which is just so fucking good. Martin is such an amazing film. Yeah, and creep show and like yeah, he's got he's got a lot of good films, man. He,
1: Romero really does have an underrated filmography when you really think about it. I think it's cause you focus so heavy on like his later films. Yeah. Like, not being nowhere near as good as he was, and it really does like kind of skew your judgment a little bit because man, I mean his filmography is great in that I, early section.
0: I, I honestly really even like Bruiser. I know Bruiser gets some negativity. You know, here and there and stuff. I think it's actually a pretty decent film. Yeah. You know, so, and it's one of his later ones. It came out in two thousand. You know, that was the first film he had done since, uh, I believe, the Dark Half.
1: Let, let's, right. let's 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 try this one real quick, okay? So we got Ty West, Adam Green, and Rob Zombie. Let's remove their best and their worst, and see where they stack up. So, who do you like the best out of those? I'd say Rob Zombie. Out of who again, Rob uh, Zombie? Ty West and Adam Green. Rob Zombie. And then Ty West and Adam Green. Uh I'd probably go with.
0: Damn, that's a tough choice, actually. <laughs> Shit, that's a really Ty West and, and Adam Green. Fuck me, man. That's that's a tough one. I honestly I'd probably go with uh, going to go with Ty West.
1: Okay, so. Rob Zombie, uh, you take his best film, which is The Devil's Rejects. Do you agree or disagree?
0: I agree. Yeah.
1: Okay, you remove that and his worst film, which is probably Halloween Two.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, so you're left with House of a Thousand, Lords of Salem, and Halloween. Uh, he didn't do anything else, did he?
0: No, that's everything. Unless okay. you want to count his uh, El Superbeasto, his animated films. Yeah, yeah
1: sure. Why not? Um then you have uh Adam Green, or well Ty West. Uh his best film is Uh probably House of the Devil. And his worst film is
0: Uh What is his worst film? Um Cabin Fever two? I guess so. I mean he's only done what five films?
1: He? Uh he did Yeah, well what's Rob Zombie done? Five?
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess so, right? Um, you know what? I'm gonna I'm I'm actually gonna change it. I'm gonna change this, man. I'm gonna say Ty West's favorite or best film is the Sacrament.
1: I agree with that. That was my pick, honestly.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna say the Sacrament. I, I forgot about that for a second because yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Sacrament. I know Dave is just screaming right now, going,
1: Fuck you! The
0: sacrament sucks. <laughs> but no, I'm gonna say the is his best film. And for his worst film, I'm definitely gonna have to go with uh Cabin Fever 2.
1: Okay. So that leaves Adam Green. Uh, his best film, Frozen, you agree or disagree? I agree. Yeah. Uh his worst film, Chillerama.
0: The short and chillerama?
1: Uh yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. So does does that change anything? So with Ty West you still got House of the Devil, you got uh what was his other one? The Innkeepers?
0: Yeah, the Innkeepers, the Roost, which I and really enjoyed. I really enjoyed. Um, I like. I honestly and, like all those. And films. his uh,
1: ABCs of Death segment, which. I and
0: his VHS segment. His VHS segment sucks.
1: <laughs> no, so, it doesn't. It. It's one of the best segments in there.
0: I don't know, man. I I really don't. Nah, I'm not a big fan of it. I like it. I can't remember what his ABCs of Death one is. What M, M it was for miscarriage?
1: Uh, miscarriage. I like miscarriage. I know you guys didn't, but I thought it was one of the cooler segments in there.
0: Yeah, I I know which one it is now. Okay.
1: So you got the the roost, you got House of the Devil, uh, you got Cam or, yeah, no, Cam fever's out. Uh, the innkeeper's VHS uh, segment, which is Second Honeymoon, ABC's a Death segment, Emma's from Mitch Carriage, uh, and his uh, his uh, the sacrament is cut out. So so that's what you're left with. And mm-hmm. Adam Green, you have hatchet uh, spiral. You have the hatchet one and two, not three. Yep. And you have – what do you have there? Um, digging Up the Marrow. Digging Up the Marrow, which I have not seen still. Uh, um. Yeah, that that's problematic a little bit. That, that,
0: is, <laughs> that is a little problematic actually.
1: Um, but I haven't seen some of the Ty West films. Uh, what do you think though? Do you think Spiral, Hatchet, and Hatchet 2 – uh, are strong enough to, to put him ahead of Ty West? He was your third favorite.
0: No, I don't think so.
1: So, the Roost, uh, House of the Devil, and the Innkeepers is better than, than uh, at what yeah. Adam whatever got?
0: Man, these questions really fuck with your head, man. <laughs> it's crazy. I do, I do, actually. I do, because I, I think that... Uh, I love the Roost, and I love House of the Devil. I have obviously problems with the ending a little bit. Like, the very, very end. Not like, you know, the the pre end. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We talked about this before. Um But I think the Innkeepers is very much kind of the same. Um hmm. Yeah. Alright. But, uh, but Rob's but Rob's but Rob's zombie though, man. I mean, really you take out you take out, you know, his best and his worst, and you're still left with like House of Thousand Corpses, Halloween. And Lords. And Lords, which Jesus Christ, man yeah I those are still
1: those three movies. good films yeah, yeah I mean, um, I mean, that's solid man so m- me uh I think Adam Green would get bumped up and partially due to digging up the marrow mm. um that definitely helps yeah uh Ty West uh, I have not seen the innkeepers though uh but the roost i uh, I do like but it's to me it's not like fucking super amazing uh and the house of the devil I actually just like i don't love it either so adam green saw spiral which to me is the best film out of uh if you take if you take the films left in Ty west filmography i think it's better than all of them interesting but that's you know that's obviously just me i really i'm a big fan of spiral see i always find that hatchet 2 is
0: super super overrated like i'm not overly the biggest it's Definitely my least favorite in the Hatches hmm. fran- franchise or Hatches trilogy. I shouldn't say franchise, but um, it's not like I dislike Hatchet Two. I just, I don't know. I'm just not only really the biggest fan of it.
1: See, I like it three to one. I, I like three the best. I like two the second best, and I like one the least best. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I might
0: be thinking towards. I like part three the best too, man. It might go three one two for me.
1: Hmm. So, interesting question, Dave. Thanks for uh, doing it. We played a little extra round. That's because we liked it so much. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we, those we are did. fun. Those we are spend fun. spent some time on that. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, moving on here. We got another voicemail. Uh, let's roll with it. All right. What's going on,
2: everyone out there in the 22 Shots of Moods and of Universe? This is your favorite shoe, Jeremy, and I just want to wish everybody, well, mainly just Brandon, a happy Passover. Uh,
0: that is about all that I have to say. What the hell's a Passover? Uh, calls
4: mainly only for Brandon, <laughs> but if you are doing happy Passover. But I think me and Brandon
2: are the only ones. So. uh <laughs> question for this week. Uh, I don't know. What's your favorite soup? There you go. That's a great question. What is your favorite soup? My favorite soup is cream and chicken rice. And
4: I want to know what your
0: favorite soup is. He <laughs> seriously um, couldn't think of a horror question? <laughs> Wanted to say happy Passover to Brandon. I hope everybody's doing well. I'll talk to you guys soon. Alright, <laughs> so what's your favorite soup? Uh broccoli cheese, man. Cheese broccoli. I love it. So good. Cheese broccoli? Yeah, dude, it's so good. Mmm. Ew. Ew. That's disgusting. No, it's it's it, it probably sounds worse than it. Is. It's fucking good, man. It's really good.
1: It's like saying like broccoli. <laughs>
0: Oh, it's not like you're getting, like, huge, massive chunks of broccoli in it.
1: Come on. I don't it's good. think I like cheese soup either. Ah, it's so good. Um, Mine's matzo ball soup. That's good. I was just joking. I don't even know what that is. I just know it's Jewish. Montevall is fucking good, man. Montevalls are good. No, my favorite soup, honestly, because I don't like soup. I don't really ever eat soup at all. But it is tomato soup, but only with grilled cheese. So that's like the only soup I really eat. Tomato? So
0: fucking boring.
1: Yeah, but not boring when you got fucking grilled cheese jalapeno sandwiches up in that bitch.
0: I guess not. You dip you dip that shit in there, man, and just yeah, it's like yeah. a fucking party, man. <laughs> exactly.
1: So uh, I like let's...
0: to put I like to put chunks of cheese in my um uh, in my tomato soup with croutons. See,
1: people like that, and I don't. I don't like that.
0: Man. I like putting croutons in there too. It's weird, but I like it. All
1: right, let's uh, move on. Here we got a voicemail coming in next.
4: Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. The twenty two shots of Moves or Horn Podcast is coming at you live. I am your host, Empty Double ODZ. And of course, I've always got my heterolite with me, the general of the Mexican militia, Double <laughs> Shot J, aka JD. What's up, homie? <laughs> 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 so on, I've moved, man,
5: those introductions are fucking over here. So I look forward to those more than probably most of the things because it's so funny, it always makes me laugh. <laughs> like uh, any
1: First time caller there. Uh Did you catch what his name was? Because I missed it. Well,
0: thank you, M Double O D to the Z.
1: <laughs> man, he had that shit word for word. I know, and like I say, man, like, it's usually one shot with these guys. Like you don't that was he didn't call back a bunch of times, fucking up until he got it right. You know, that's one go.
0: He said that was uh the horrid the horridontus.
1: Is that what he said? Yeah, something.
0: Yeah, you know who? I do. And I, I can't think of it, though. It's okay. weird. I know the name, but I, I can't put the... Fi- I don't know. It's weird.
1: But I always yeah. like getting new people because it's like, okay, there's other people listening to us besides the same 15 who comment and voicemail every week. <laughs> well, at least someone appreciates those ridiculous intros and stuff. Yeah, I always like them. I always like them. I think they're cool. Um,
0: You know, I I think that I think that that's... uh, But to take the time to learn it word by word, now that's impressive.
1: It's impressive. Well, I mean... It's it is, but at the same time, you know, many times I do you've it every week. Heard it? <laughs>
0: yeah, I do it every week. You know, I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah. myself, I don't even forget it. Yeah, like <laughs> you know, I that's think how I often could I'd
1: probably do it as well. <laughs>
0: probably. I mean, <laughs> shit, I already did it once
1: today. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, yeah. yeah. Interesting right. question. Uh, it was if we could own the rights to any franchise, what would it be? Um, okay, you can obviously go. Me, you know, me. I, I could obviously go uh, Friday the 13th because it's my favorite franchise. But I don't think Friday the 13th is really in the most shit right now. Uh, Chainsaw, it's doing fine the way it is. Uh, Halloween, eh, getting a little problematic there, but it's it's still. It's still got life to it. It can walk on its own. However, there's one franchise that needs my help more than any. And that is A Nightmare on Elm Street. I would save that franchise because it is it is at it, its lowest. It's just it's, – what do you do with it? What, what are you going to do? Another you know, potential candidate would be the Hellraiser franchise. But no. Right now we're focusing on the Elm Street franchise. First thing I would do. Robert Englund is still alive. Let's do one more, buddy. We're going to bring the band back together. We're going to do it again, brother. Uh, and when we do it again, brother, we're going to be serious, Robert Englund. And we're going to go back to the original concept, which was that Freddie was an old creepy man. Uh, I like that concept.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, that
1: was originally what Wes Craven wanted when he had that night where he looked out his window and saw that creepy man staring up at him. That's where his envision of Freddie became, uh, eventually became. So we're gonna go that way. We're gonna we're gonna get Robert England back for one more. And if Robert England, if if we can't get him, we can go another way. That's fine. You don't have to have Robert England to do it. There is a way to make a successful Elm Street without Robert England. Hey, you do not do CGI walls and remake scenes that that, that are better the way they were. Um, you do something different. And there's plenty of ideas. I mean, the nightmare sequences alone can be. So much more imaginative than they were in the remake. I do give credit to some things like the when everything turned to ash and shit. That was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I, you know, basically you need people who have a high imagination. Maybe pick Clive Barker's brain a little bit. Hey, what would you think about taking a spin at writing an Elm Street film? Uh, that's what I would do. And finally, but not least finally... I would reinstate that uh, sequence in which we just found out that happened. I would put it on a special edition Blu-ray somewhere that existed on a Laserdisc where it was a deleted scene of Nancy finding out that she had a sibling. In Uh, fact, everybody,
0: I think we knew some of that though, but that's—I you know.
1: actually didn't know that, and it's crazy that that's like been like everybody seemed pretty surprised about that, considering it did exist. Like it, it, it was out in the public. Like it was on the except laser for disc.
0: except for Laura from Body Bag. She was like, "I've known about this forever. I have it on a special edition <laughs> DVD or something. She said, uh-huh. I was like it must be some random UK edition or something like that." Yeah. I'm like that's fucking crazy. But I'm like, this is my favorite franchise. How did I not know about this? Yeah, like, it just to, uh, bypassed me big
1: time. I thought that that was you know definitely interesting so uh i would i would put that do special edition commentaries on release the whole box set but that is not all this is why you want me you want to you want to you want to get me these rights peoples because i will do a release of that's right the nightmare on elm street the series tv show freddy's nightmares boom boom drop the mic there you go You got moods i just stole your thunder by taking your franchise and doing massive amounts of awesomeness with it
0: yeah but you know it wasn't actually my choice though because you know i i mean i had i had some pretty high hopes and and pretty cool things is going to do with that but you know you dropped the mic man (laughs) you fucking stole that shit so um so i'm thinking maybe if i could own a franchise somehow i just acquired the fucking dead franchise because there's major issues with the dead franchise. You know, people have always complained, like we'll never see a box set of the dead franchise and stuff. Cause the film, I mean, we got night of living dead, you know, public domain, we got Dawn and day. And then we got, you know, all the other ones. They're all released by different companies. Everyone owns a piece of this fucking franchise. It's terrible, but <laughs> lo and behold, I have the money. I, I own, the, I own it now. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give the people, what they want I'm gonna give them the ultimate box set you know how we have like the ultimate dawn of the dead set mm-hmm. well now we're gonna get the whole dead franchise a huge box set and we're gonna have all the we're gonna have all the dawn of the dead cuts on blu-ray uh, we're gonna have Everything, man. We're gonna have you know all the different versions of Night of the Living Dead on there. All the living, oh, even the
1: version where they went and shot new footage like twenty or like forty years later.
0: Everything. We're gonna have every single edition. So it doesn't matter. You buy the box that you get them all. You get them all, all on Blu-ray, um new commentaries because Romero is still alive and he can definitely speak on some shit. And it's gonna be awesome. This can he is,
1: smoke cigarettes on the commentary? He can smoke anything he wants.
0: Okay, good, so, but yeah, we're gonna have everything. I mean, it's just one thing that you know it just kind of it always it's always a downer conversation when you hear people are like, "I would love to have a dawn of the dead box set, you know, but it'll never happen. It just will never happen you know it's 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 more of a long shot than we always thought that you know well'll obviously see a Halloween box set, but that was definitely more there was definitely more of a shot, wasn't there of getting that, yeah,
1: Halloween. yeah, because that it was really the franchise was only split a little bit exactly um, this one I think it's three just, companies it was split by, yeah, see. The dead franchise is all over the
0: place and but and there's all these different cuts and stuff and then we release them all on Blu ray and
1: what about just, the remakes? Are you gonna throw in the Oh it's gonna be ultimate remake?
0: It's gonna be the ultimate ultimate box set. Yes, it will have this. What sp- are you
1: gonna call this box set?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I, that that's a good that's a good question. Um The, the dead is alive. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> because it because i mean seriously it is alive. because everything is coming to life. um but no yeah it will have the savini remake in there it'll even have the dawn of the dead remake unfortunately it, the you know, end of story edition <laughs> yeah and then of course it'll even have the day of the dead and all that i mean remember folks it's it you know don't complain because they're in there you know, <laughs> I remember like, people were like the Halloween box. Like, I could have fucking done without the Rob Zombie remakes and shit. I'm like, fuck.
1: it's like you're complaining because you got more.
0: I know. And that's the thing. So <laughs> don't complain that you're getting the Day of the Dead remake and the sequel, which is even worse, and all these other things. And, you know, who cares? You're getting Jesus. you're getting this like is, this is like a like twenty
1: eight set box twenty eight yeah. disc yeah. box set at and this the, point.
0: And the best thing about this, so there's going to be it's going to be about twenty five to thirty discs, huge box set, all individual, all custom arts, reversibles, features of the yin yang. Going
1: to be about twenty five to thirty five hundred dollars.
0: And it's going to be it's going to be you know, it's going to be the low price of like four or five installment payments. <laughs> <laughs> No man, we gotta sell this thing about you know seventy nine dollars, eighty dollars, no.
1: Jesus Christ.
0: No, it would have to be that would be the problem with that. If you were to release a box set that huge with that much content, holy fuck I mean it's just
1: I mean, you have to be like the six hundred dollar range at that point.
0: I know, it'd be insane. It'd be insane. I think I think I would try to do it around like a hundred and eighty nine dollars or something like that if I could. I, I
1: don't even think that's possible. I, I
0: know it'd be so hard, but just think—you're getting all the Dons on Blu-ray and everything. Oh, it'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, your company would be bankrupt. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not. I sh- I shouldn't say I'm not good with business because I do have one, but I'm, maybe I'm not good with you know media business. But anyways, so, this so is like what the ultimate, would you
1: ultimate. what would you do with the fran- Are You making more movies? Are you done? You just releasing the box set?
0: Um, honestly, I never really even considered making more because you know and one sucked unless <laughs> well i mean that's the thing i mean they've really i like land i thought land was good and then we got to I actually like good,
1: diary too but diary
0: just, actually grew on me quite a bit over the years i've watched it a few times but survival is just one of those films where it's just like okay we need somebody writing something totally fresh we need a bigger budget and stuff we need to like do this properly and stuff and Maybe we'll just focus on the box set right now. Maybe if it does really well, then we'll work on the, uh, the new film and then we'll re-release the box set. <laughs> I don't know. But no no plans for another film. Just give the right. people
1: what they want for the box. Cool. I hope that answered your question, Matt. Thanks for calling in and yeah. uh, do it again. Uh, all right. Moving on here. Next voicemail.
5: Hey, guys. This is Drew. Love the show. Um, here's a controversial opinion be a little douchey on my end but I was one your thoughts um, sometimes some of the packaging art drives me nuts. Uh, for example like some of the kino releases where they take a movie like Hitchhike with David Hess and Franco Nero and make it look like some crazy Barnes and Noble uh, you know um, some crazy Barnes and Noble kind of uh, uh, fancy art film and when you know is what it is and also kind of the screen factory stuff it's like it was cool when they did halloween one and two but now they're all the same and honestly a lot of them i don't like i think you know they're still doing the blue cases it's not like an arrow release or where you get a lot of diversity or packaging and uh, but you're still paying the same price so just curious what you guys think of that thanks bye.
1: So what do you think, Moods?
0: Well, first of all, I don't think you're douchey for you know bringing up something like that at all. No, it's a conversation that we've had I think a few times, you know, about packaging and certain things. I mean, obviously every time Screen Factory comes out with uh, a collector's edition, you know, the main focus in the conversation starts off with you know what the artwork. The art? Yeah, what do you think of the art? I mean, it's kind of the selling point, right? Um yeah, I think honestly, screen, some of the some of the new art has faltered, you know, in recent times. Um, I'm not saying it's terrible or anything. I, I think some of it isn't really the greatest and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I I do think that you know, with all these other companies coming out and doing what they're doing and stuff, something like Screen Factory maybe should try to. You know, just kind of amp up their game a little bit. I mean, look at Arrow. Arrow's a great example of a company that does package their stuff their stuff completely different. I mean, they have like these special editions like, you know, Society and uh Bride of Reanimator and, you know, more recent hasn't been released yet, but Bloodbath is coming out. And these special packages and stuff. That's cool. I like that variety. I'm a big fan of that. Um, you know, not to take anything away from Screen Factor, but I do really enjoy those uh you know, just the um, the variety of packaging because you know essentially you're gonna get you know the standard edition too. But I mean, I love Arrow's cases. I love those big fat cases and stuff that just they feel like rocks and bricks. And yeah, man, I'm I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of that. So
1: yeah, uh, me personally, um, I tend to usually like Scream Factory's cover art, uh, the new the new commission art um, because they. Have developed sort of a style, and they kind of stick to that style. And I'm um, I'm usually a fan of, uh, you know, I guess I guess repetition, but m- it's more like comfortability. It's like I know what I'm getting. I-, I like to see it's uniform; like they feel the same. They don't feel all over the place like arrows do. Um, I actually usually don't like arrows cover art choices. Like like most of the time, honestly. Uh, but I do agree with moods with the uh, when they kind of take a step out of the box and they make stuff like the Society release um, and the Bride Reanimated release because that shit's cool to me. Like I, I like it, the Society release was really neat. Like it was the it, the top was like embossed and you know it was ripply and and it it's just you open it, it's just cool release. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, It's neat. I like stuff like that. Um, I've always been a fan of. Um, you know, anything that's different. And, uh, the cases, uh, that arrow do, I do like as well. Oddly enough, um, my black cat box set, one of the dis- DVDs was broke. Uh, the case actually broke. Oh, and that's right. That's actually never happened to me with the scream factory release, you know, in the standard Blu-ray case. So I do think sometimes that the, the bigger cases, uh, the wider ones, uh, bend easier in, in shipping packages, uh, and they com- they compress and they break easier, I think sometimes. But I don't. I think that might have been a, behind I think, it.
0: I think that might have been a factory thing. I think it might have broken the factory because, I mean, when you f- look at it, the box that that thing comes in, I mean, that thing is like a brick. I can't imagine any type of flexibility without ruining Well, the that box. problem
1: is, is, is that it was like a brick, but it was also the discs, the cases were very tight in it. Like I noticed that as soon as I opened it. Uh, hmm. Maybe it was just mine. You know, I got mine a little bit earlier uh you know it's they- funny
0: I've never had uh an arrow case broke i uh, usually order all my stuff free from the u k so um <laughs> so it gets beat around in the mail but I've been fortunate enough never had never to have any of those cases get broken um but f- I have with screen factory actually i've had a i mean i mean those are pretty standard amory cases though right mm-hmm. and it's just all i guess depending on the way they're shipped to but yeah I've never actually had any of them broken the only time I ever had one of those arrow cases. Smashed to bits is actually a package that was sent to me from uh Turi, a guy from um you know our Facebook group and our chat and stuff. He is he <laughs> arrived in our arrived in my house and it was in fucking pieces, man? It was crazy.
1: Is he from our Facebook group in our chats? Yeah, Turi. I haven't,
0: I haven't seen him. Oh yeah, yeah. Turi's never around. <laughs> He's never around. He does he does updates like every four days. But uh <laughs> um no, but that thing came That's fucked. not even a
1: joke. It was pancake. He does updates every
0: four days. <laughs> it was fucking pancaked. It was crazy. And like and then when that when it showed up my house, like usually i had been like, oh, you know, whatever, I'll just replace a case. But here, North America, we can't find those things anywhere. It's like yeah. impossible. So. You know what
1: I noticed? Um, Shameless, I was on their website the other day. They actually offer Yeah. Yellow cases cases that you can buy. How cool is that? They're like a pound or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I do have a beef with bad cover art, but, you know, usually with Scream Factory, with the collector's editions, you get the reversible art, which is the, the old school art, which usually is good.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: So, you know, it's very rare where you have uh, the new cover art's actually better than the, than the old cover art.
0: Well, it's the first thing I do when I open up a Screen Factory a Collector's Edition or whatever. I just I take the slip cover off and I flip the art around and put the slip back on, so you have them both. Yeah,
1: that's yeah. I, that's what I really like having them both. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so hopefully that answered your question, and uh, we have one more voicemail.
4: Hey guys, Rob from Georgia calling in with uh, just a question. Uh, I was thinking the other day, uh, it's uh, I novella. Uh, a novel when I was a kid I read called Rift Tide. And uh, I was telling a friend about it, about a shark. that takes a uh, claim off, uh, not Amity, but uh, I can't remember, some little town off Carolina or something. And uh, anyways, the point is, uh, I, this uh, story was this detective sort of watched a Beatles detective who uh, tries to escape his past, settles down in this little town, and uh, you know, lo and behold, you know, ultimately gets kind of swept up in this whole... Uh, Missing, and, and it's the shark that's at the uh, cause of it, although that doesn't come out to the very end. Anyways, got me to thinking about the novellas or novels that we read as kids growing up. Is there any novel that any of you guys would have read uh, as a kid that you just wish looking back they would have made that into a movie or could make it that into a movie today? And uh, I really do wish Riptide's one of those weird ones. And, uh, that, uh, I think would have made for an interesting one. And, uh, but anyway, it's just, uh, just a short question to probe the mind and, uh, just, uh, hope you guys have a great week and, uh, we'll, uh, talk to you later. Out.
1: Thanks, Rob, for leaving a voicemail as always. Moods, answer the question maybe? Um,
0: yeah, man, there was always one, like, growing up, I was such a huge, well, I still am. A huge Stephen King fan, and I remember reading this short n- novella or novel, n- whatever you want to call it. Um, it was, I think, it was released by itself though too, but it was also part of the Bachman books when he was writing under the pseudonym of uh, Richard Bachman. And um, it was one of the short stories from the Bachman books. It was with Rage and Roadwork and the Running Man, which, yeah, the the film that Arnold Schwarzenegger started in uh, Stephen King actually wrote that. Now there was another short story in that collection of four. It was called the long walk. And I remember reading the story when I was a kid and just being like, I wanted to see it visually so bad. I wanted to, I want a movie out of that so bad. And that's the one that instantly, as soon as I heard your voicemail, I was like, that's it. It's the long walk. That's the one I want to, I want to see. Mm.
1: Never read that one, but uh, it's, I'm sure there's so many Stephen King stories. Which honestly, the one that uh, oh, I would like, yeah, yeah. I know you would like it as well. Yeah, yeah, it's not from when I was a kid, but from you know, a good few years ago now, it's uh, 1944, I believe, or no, 1922. 1922. Okay, 1922. yeah, that's uh, from Full Dark Nose Stores, the uh, compilation. Which is Book, very no similar dollars. to the
0: Bachman books. There's four short stories in this one, and one of them has actually been made into a movie already, which is uh, Big Driver.
1: Uh, two of them. Good Marriage was also made into a movie. Shut the fuck up. Really?
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. I didn't even know that. Um, wow. So maybe 1922 is next. Yeah, that's a great, it great It should story. be freaking next. It's a great story. Remember when we had this conversation a couple years back and we we're like, yeah, 1922. We were both like totally on the same page. Pun intended. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, it's but a good story. yeah, it's great. It's great. Thanks, uh, Rob, for calling in. That's right. And uh, that was the last of the voicemails, but we do have actually uh, one question that I actually missed, and it is uh, from the same guy who's given us our knowledge topic this week. Uh, but he sent me this a while ago and I kept forgetting it. Uh, so he says, Hi, guys, just had a question for this show. We all enjoy watching reviews and collections, but it does take work to make videos and post them we made. what made you start recording videos on youtube not sure if you've answered this in the previous episode um he also gives us a little suggestion for episode 100 and uh it's jim from toronto so a fellow canadian
0: mm, from toronto yeah i love toronto um how did i get into making videos honestly I just thought it looked so damn cool, man. I was watching certain people make their videos like od six 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 six, and there was a few other guys, and uh, Tom the Horseball was another guy, and I just thought it was so fucking cool. I was like, man, I got a bunch of horror movies. I just want to talk about them too, and that's really what it was. It was just so intriguing to me of all these movies that these guys were showing off and I'm like, man, I need to see that. I need to check this out. And, you know, and I wanted to be that person too. I'm like, yeah, I got some shit. I can talk about it. And I just wanted to, you know, be part of that community to look fun. And so I started making videos and um you know, I just really love doing it. I still do. It's been I don't know, five years, five years, four years. I don't even know how long it's been, but uh I never look back. You know, I think it's just it's it's a pastime. It's fun. And, um, if you want to do it, do it. That's all I can say. All you need is a camera and a voice, man. And yeah. you know what? My, in my only word of advice, be yourself with some enthusiasm too. Don't be oh, fucking yeah. boring in front of the camera when you're fucking boring and you're monotone and you're boring and shit, man. Some people are just like, and, uh, you know, it is, oh, there, there's some, some people just need not to be in front of my camera, <laughs> but, uh, hopefully mine a little more entertaining than that. Anyways, come on, but
1: yeah uh me personally similar story uh but one of the things that that i noticed is i'd always been been a fan of horror movies but i didn't know anybody that was and it was funny yeah, like a- i i came across youtube and i was like holy shit there's like a community like there's conventions and like there was all these things that i didn't know about and i'm like I'm like, there's guys who know like so much, and I just looked at him and I was like, dude, I want to be like that, and you know, I want to know all these films and like, oh, like, you know, I started getting introduced to, you know, stuff that I didn't even know about. Uh, I st- like lingo even, like, um, honestly, like, what the like, I did, I never even heard the word giallo before YouTube. You know what I mean, like. Mm-hmm certain things like that and like you know I probably heard of slasher but you know it, just hearing like all these subgenres and different like uh lingo for what we talk about which is horror and different things it, it kind of opened my eyes and like you know I thought I knew a lot about horror but I know nothing compared to the people online I thought and I started seeing these DVD collections and I was just like whoa I want to I wanna have all these on DVD which I already was like a fan of owning things Uh, you know, like physical things, like physical media, but I didn't collect really. I just bought stuff whenever I got a chance that that I wanted to see. Like, oh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is like my favorite horror film. Uh, I would love to have that. And so I had that stuff in my collection and things like that. Um, But I didn't really consider it a collection. I just owned DVDs like everybody else. Uh, And then I started watching YouTube and it started with like – I don't really know who the first person I watched, but I know one of the first persons that I watched was a guy named Um what like B junior, I think, uh Endurance Productions. Oh, this yeah. is his YouTube channel. Um he doesn't really make a ton of videos anymore, but uh He's part I of the he's to, part
0: of the sausage factory now.
1: Yeah, see I don't I, I never get to actually check that out when it's on or anything. So I, I, I know they kinda of like rotating guests, I think. Uh has he been on there? I haven't seen
0: well, they have about 8 regulars, but not all of them show up all the time. That's what it
1: is. Yeah. That's kind of a good idea if you're going to Yeah. Just, hey, we're doing it this time. Yeah, some shows
0: second. you'll only see 4 or 5, and sometimes you'll see like 7 or 8 or whatever, but uh yeah.
1: Yeah, so um I remember watching his videos and his were really inspiring to me because um you know, I remember that he started out like, one of the first videos that i seen from him, I actually looked to see, like, a few years ago. I looked to see if it's still up, but it, it wasn't even up anymore. Um, he was, like, on work call or something, so he was in a hotel. He was, like, staying in a hotel for work or something, and he brought the Friday the 13th box set with him, and he was like, I'm just going to watch all these. And he, like, would turn the camera on and, like, talk about it a little bit. Kind of like your marathon that you do modes, but, like... Oh, yeah not like hey snacks and food and like make an event out of it it's just like he would just he was just chilling but that video was always that that, like it was a group of videos because back in the day you can only make 10 minute videos on youtube yeah Um, that's right and you know i watched his and then i watched he actually his collection like got big like he started picking up like laser discs and stuff and i learned a lot from watching his videos honestly and um he was one of the guys that i really liked watching but also um ryan 1988 i used to watch a lot Um, a lot of these guys who started out on youtube like back in you know 2008 2009 shit like that um even earlier with some of them um and i watched all these videos and i was like i want to make these i want to do these i want to do these i kept putting it off putting it off one i didn't have a camera and two i just was putting it off uh eventually i just bought a crappy webcam for like 25 dollars and I was just like, fuck it, I'm going to make videos. And they sucked um, for a long time. Um, but, you know, with everything, practice makes you better and uh, you have to actually put effort into it too. Like there's there's a lot of people who just turn on a camera and say stuff, um, which is fun if you want to do that for yourself. But if you're trying to entertain people or you're trying to put on a show or you're trying to, um, you know –
0: remember put those bloopers at the end of your videos man
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean we always get better as we do things more but i always focused on getting better i don't know if guys do that nowadays like some of the newer youtubers like do they actually try to get better or they're just happy with the way they are because i i just try to do things that are interesting like i try like I you know I've tried series that I have stopped doing because like I feel like it's not really working it's not really fun or people aren't really watching it. You know I like trying new things doing different thi- you know, stuff that could be cool. Um I feel like the problem with a lot of YouTubers now um is they just they don't try to get better or they don't try to do um different things. Uh, and like mood says, you gotta be yourself you you got be like you can be influenced by people right like you can I've always influenced by people uh but at the end of the day, you have to be yourself and uh if you like the ways you know people um showed off their collection like I was always a fan of the people that sit in front of the camera and not hold the camera, so that's the type of videos that I do um, but I'm still my own you know person or whatever just yeah. like doing them that way. You know, um, that's how I got into YouTube and I highly recommend doing YouTube because I mean, I've met so many people. I'm friends with a lot of people. Uh, I've, you know, it's benefited me in my collecting. I mean, I've gotten, you know, not saying this is why you should do it, but like I've gotten things from it. Like I've gotten gifts. I've, I've gotten like, I'm get screeners now and stuff. It's really cool, but that's mostly from the podcast anyway, which I I like even more than YouTube, uh, but I still have a love for YouTube as well. But I think the best thing about YouTube is building relationships with people that are into the same shit that you are, is amazing. Because I, like I, be- I just now in life I'm starting to meet people in real life that are into horror, um, but for years it was like I was like the only person on earth. It felt like that's what I really enjoy about it, too, is
0: is the community and uh, just being part of it. You know, yeah, that that's what keeps me going all the time. Is just, you know, just the, the positive feedback and, you know, the people around you and things like that. So that's enough. That's enough for me.
1: Yep, absolutely. So with that said, uh, that's that's it for the questions. You want to go ahead into knowledge? Show. Okay, so uh, knowledge is a segment where we uh, talk about something. And this time it's coming from the same person, which is Jim from Toronto. And he says, hi, guys, just had a question for the show. Oh, wait, that's the one I read already. Uh, <laughs> one second. Uh, so he says, hi, guys, just had a question for the show. So he actually did say that in his other one too. Uh, for no- Or knowledge. Uh, special editions, collectors editions, special collectors editions, special directors cut, rated unrated directors cuts, limited editions, ultimate collectors editions and on and on. We know this is mainly done for money but how does this affect you as a collector? Do you chase after all these different versions? Is Is it worth it to you to collect all the different editions? Could you maybe give some example of when you would? So I thought that was pretty interesting. So you do have a lot of these different editions. You it, remember it used to be um, here's an edition, and then there's the special edition. Uh, that was the big thing, right? Special edition, special yeah. widescreen edition. The special. <laughs> and, it, and it really started with laserdiscs. If I, if I, and VHS. Sometimes, like Anchor Bay, did some special edition VHSs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was like the widescreen editions and things, and you know, th- and that was like the very early stages of what a special edition was. It was more just like the format at the time. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like I have
1: the uh, Halloween widescreen special edition. I know. Ray, Ray. It, it's a change,
0: it's changed a lot now with um with the ability to to showcase and actually have features. You know, I mean, special edition was just your your ratio, and uh, but now it's like you know, for people that like films and they like features you know i I think it all depends on the collector man i mean you know why do i have the arrow edition of uh texas chainsaw massacre and why do i have the screen factory special edition um well one is that i (laughs) made a bet with my or not a bet with myself but i said you know i'm gonna collect all the screen factories so that's why i have that uh should I get rid of the Arrow one? No, because, I mean, I like features. I do like features. And, you know, that's the thing about collecting that is so irritating is that there's so many companies, companies out now. And they always seem to put a little bit new features on a release here and there. And you're like, if you're, in, if you're inclined to have all those features, like so many collectors are, There's there's people out there that just don't give a shit about the features, which is fine. You know They're about the film, so they don't need to double-dip on certain things, but if you want all these features and things like that, honestly, having the Arrow edition of uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 and the Screen Factory is beneficial to have them both because on the Arrow, you get, you know, Toby Hooper's short films, which is really awesome, and that was one of the big selling points for myself. You know, when I bought the Arrow one was to have those short films because, you know, that's fucking cool. They were never released before, you know, and, you know, the Screen Factory one doesn't have those, so that's the thing about collecting you know the the names themselves super duper uh extreme special edition blah blah you know that shit doesn't sell me it's more about what i'm getting with it though too sometimes i buy shit because you know i'm collecting certain companies like screen factory or whatever but that's very rare it's a screen factory really but uh you know a lot of the times it, it is about features it really is so so
1: with me, one of the things that I do if I want to buy a movie is, let's say it's just a random ass movie, Rob Zombie's Halloween. I uh, first I see what editions there are. Um, you know, let's say pre box set, pre uh, Halloween Blu-ray box set. I, I see what editions there are, and you know, there's like a three disc DVD edition. There's like a two disc uh, rated and unrated. Uh, there's all these different versions. So first thing I do is just find out what there is, and then I see what the prices are. And if they're reasonably similar, maybe this one costs a little bit more, a couple bucks more or something, uh, then I'll pick which one I like the best. Uh, in the case of Rob Zombie's uh, Halloween, it actually is conflicting because I need two editions of that because uh, the rated and unrated are very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the rated... Uh, I like better than the unrated actually, or the, yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, the rated I like better than the unrated, but I still want the unrated because I like certain things about it better too. So that's, that's a scenario where I will buy two versions of that film, not only because it's Halloween and it's Rob Zombie's Halloween, but because there's actual differences uh, in the version that you buy. Um, Another case is if I'm just, if I'm just buying a movie, I, you know, and I I want it in I want it in either DVD or Blu-ray. If it's something new, I almost always want it on Blu-ray instead of DVD. If it's something old, it depends on the price. Like so, for example, something like Frankenhooker. Uh, the DVD I seen going for about eight nine or you know seven eight dollars. Uh, the Blu-ray I found it for like fifteen, but I eventually found it for like eleven. So to me that that makes it justifiable to spend a couple extra bucks to get the Blu-ray because I would rather have it on Blu-ray. If I had a preference, it's always going to be Blu-ray. But if the price is too uh, you know, wide, then I'll just go with the DVD. Uh, Collectors, the features matter too. You take something like Deadly Spawn, for example, and everybody tells me the DVD is the better version because I guess the transfer sucks dick on the Blu-ray.
0: Yeah, it's bad.
1: Uh. <laughs> um yeah so uh, limited editions I'm not the biggest fan of uh stuff like Synapsis Stillbook of Tenebre uh no, I I don't like that cuz the price is too high I I don't like limited editions in general unless uh there's a regular version and the limited edition is like a premium version but if it's only limited that's a big no-no for me. I don't. I don't like that. I probably won't. Yeah, the standard,
0: the standard limited edition is so fucking annoying. Yeah, hence Twilight Times is what they do. Yeah,
1: I, I won't support that just because it, it. It's just I don't want to cause that to keep happening. So I'll take my money and I'll spend it somewhere else. Um, now. Do I like collecting different editions? I'm actually kind of against Moods is actually a big double dipper. He will tell you otherwise, but it is not true. He's a huge double dipper, bigger than most people I know.
0: No, it's uh, (laughs) honestly, dude, man, I buy so much stuff on DVD instead of Blu-ray. See, it doesn't matter to me. Like the thing is with with collecting with me. Yeah, there's certain films and there's a lot of films that I'll I'll buy multiple editions of. I have 13 copies of Maniac. Why? Because it's my favorite slasher film. Um, I'm fucking weird like that. Which Dawn- is,
1: there is certain cases. Like, I own Halloween, like, seriously, like, seven or eight times. But I love Halloween. I'm okay with owning an edition, you know, multiple editions of it. But, um, you know, it, 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 the your favorite films, of course, you're going to own That's uh, the thing. multiple editions. Dawn of the
0: Dead, man. um, <laughs> Tons and tons of editions. Uh, Return of the Living Dead, another thing. I've got, like, you know, with the Screen Factory one coming out, I think it's going to be my fourth Blu-ray. I mean that's just ridiculous, but it, oddly enough, they all have different cover art. <laughs> so, you know, and that and that is a selling point. My favorite films, I will buy things based on just if I can find them super cheap. I don't go out of my way to you know just oh there's an edition, it's like thirty six dollars. I'm like no, um, but I like to d- I like to actually collect things from around the world. You know, every once in a while, if I find something from Australia or Germany or things like that, like I'm not a big hard box collector, but if I came across the Dawn of the Dead or Maniac one, I probably would go after it. Um, but no, generally I actually don't upgrade a lot of stuff unless I'm collecting that company. And now this is where it is. Like, I mean, generic titles, um, you know, like even like the green inferno, like I'm perfectly happy with grabbing the DVD instead of the blu-ray because I don't give a shit.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But see, that's another example where I, I totally see in like five years time, you'll have the blu-ray. Like I, I, I watch when I watch your updates, I always see upgrades for shit that just because it's, you know, you got it for a decent price or whatever. Um, but, you know, I'm comparing you to most people. I honestly. would say probably you buy a lot more than under
0: 20 percent well. of my Blu-rays are upgrades, though, unless they That's are
1: 20 percent still like pretty high
0: yeah but i have a couple thousand of them out <laughs> too it's like but I'm, I'm just saying a lot of those are because i'm collecting certain companies like say if i had like snaps i'll buy all the blu-rays and things and screen factory and you know certain Arrow editions and things like that but you know as for like if sony was just releasing something i generally would not just upgrade it unless you know unless i really love the film and that's the yeah difference.
1: i mean yes but and also, I, I, re- and, I remember specific times where I just started naming titles and I was like, did you did you upgrade that one? It was like Pet Cemetery. Like, did you upgrade that? And you're like, yep, <laughs> but you definitely upgrade more than the average person.
0: I honestly um, don't think I do, man. Honestly, I, I wish you could come over here and just check and check it out, man. It's actually not as bad as you really think it is. It really isn't. It really isn't. Like, I mean, I'm still trying to get, a, get rid of my Wrong Turn 3 blue. I'm just trying to get rid of that shit so I can just buy the DVD because I have all the other ones on DVD you know like I just don't need to you know have that shit so I'm not going to upgrade the rest to Blu-ray and then get rid of the DVDs and it's not going to happen go the other way I'm going to go the other way
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I mean me personally I don't I'm not a big double dipper Uh, it's usually if it's a film that I really really like I will um, if it's a classic and I'm transitioning from DVD to Blu-ray sometimes I will Um most of the time, I might have one or two, uh, not counting Scream Factories, because I do collect Scream Factories, as Moods does. Um, I, I might have one uh, upgrade whenever I do a DVD update. Um, not the biggest fan of it. It's simply because I don't buy that much to begin with, so I'm not going to spend it on stuff that I already own. Um, unless, like I said, it's a super cool addition, uh, that, or it's you know something that... Uh, I'm a huge fan of, like, uh, well, Chainsaw 2 was released by Scream Factory. But if it wasn't, I would buy a upgrade. I would upgrade Chainsaw 2 from the DVD that I have, the gruesome edition, to the Blu-ray because I love that movie. Yeah,
0: Yeah, there's generally a reason. There's generally a reason why things are being upgraded. Like, you know, Arrow is releasing something and you know that's going to be the superior edition. I'm just, you know, the general, you know, Sony Universal and Universal and Warner Brothers, like you know, a lot of those burn on demand ones and things like that. Like I'm just not going after that shit. You know, all those Blu-rays that are being released, just not going after any of them. I haven't grabbed any of them because what's the point?
1: Yeah, I'm not grabbing those.
0: It's, that's the thing. I don't
1: even know the. Original, it's just it's <laughs> the
0: the pro the problem is with me is that I collect so many damn different companies <laughs> that chances are, you know, one of these major companies that I collect is going to release something that I have on DVD. But it's probably going to be superior. And a lot of the time, it has to do with, uh, you know, presentation, too. I mean, I've upgraded to Blu-ray because, oh, this is actually widescreen edition. You know, fuck, I can get rid of my uh, my full-screen DVD. So I'm happy with that. So,
1: So yeah. Um, and, you know, also just... Uh some some editions are are you're going to get no matter what like i mean you might own dawn of the dead but when the ultimate edition comes out you're going to grab that because it's super sexy um not not talking about you cuz obviously moods is going to grab it because it's like his favorite movie ever yeah. but i'm saying like in general the general horror fan is going to pick up something like the ultimate edition uh i i like i like cool editions too uh so i i usually if it's Cheap enough, like okay. Here's an example, like Synapse's prom night. Okay, that's something had I have I found for maybe ten dollars. I would buy, even though the transfer on the DVD isn't very good from Echo Bridge. I don't really like that movie, so I don't see it necessary to upgrade unless I found it cheap.
0: But it is. It actually improves the movie. That it transfer does, is like phenomenal. I don't phenomenal.
1: care about the movie that much, so I don't need to really improve it that much. Yeah, you'd be surprised if you watched
0: it uh, like under the you know, you know that quality of uh, transfer man. It really did kind of change the film for me a little bit. It doesn't happen very often. I think yes. Prom Night is probably one of the only exceptions that's ever really. Well, I shouldn't say that. There's been a couple times where I'm like, "Wow, dude, that transfer really kind of amped it up for me a little bit." Prom Night's definitely up there. Yeah, that, that'd be cool. Top ten, right there. <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's interesting.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, I hope that answered your question and uh, talked a little knowledge there with uh, different editions. I do kind of hate the way that sort of uh, Anchor Bay used to be where they would release a new edition of like something like Evil Dead like every year. Um, that film has been released so many times. Same thing goes with Alien. Like those films always get re-released.
0: Oh man! It, almost every six months, there's a new edition of Alien, new box set or something.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't like that. But yeah, so there we go.
0: Alrighty, so yeah, that was uh, that was a good knowledge section. <laughs> Fuck, <I can't laughs> fucking scraps. Did I say section? You did. Ah. <laughs> uh. So, yeah, that was a really good knowledge segment. Um, Yeah, so, JP, do you got something you want to drop in the middle of this uh, mood swings right now?
1: Yes, I do. So, a while back, we said, hey, guys, rate us on iTunes, and we'll enter you for a contest if we get a certain amount of ratings by the time that uh, I set a date for. And we did. I think it just barely made it, but it made it nonetheless. uh, It was, uh, I think I asked for 12 reviews or 10 reviews by the time. The date came about, and I think it happened. Um, you guys probably thought that we just said that to get you guys to do it, and then we weren't going to give anything away because we didn't say anything about it for a while. But, yeah, we'll, we'll give something away. Um, <laughs> I don't think we actually picked anything yet, but uh, we're going to announce who the winner is. And one thing that I did say, guys, anybody who leaves us a review in the future and in the past will automatically be entered in any contest that we do. That's a permanent entry into every contest we do by leaving us a review on iTunes, Uh, which we've done some pretty big ones in the back. I mean, we gave away so much stuff on episode 50. You know, it was like I think there was like nine winners or something.
0: Oh, yeah. We gave a a lot, like a shitload of stuff.
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, rating us is smart to do. But anyway, we got a few people here. We got DJ three, seven, three, five. We got Dr. Mandrick. Kiss. We have Scarface87. We have Chico DeSwift. We have The Leaning Andy French 0602 Rob at Georgia Strangeland underscore BLS Death Metal God and Your Mama's Man. Um, I think he's talking about Uh, your mama's man. (laughs) So uh, with that said, I'm just going to hit a randomizer here. Whoever's at the top of the list uh, will win. So here we go. And the winner is Strangeland underscore B-L-S. Uh, Also, I did, for some reason, I was not all the way down the list, but Derek was also on the list.
0: (laughs) B-L-S as in Black Label Society?
1: Not sure. Probably. But uh, Strangeland, if you want to go ahead and shoot us an email at 22ShotsOfMoodsAndHorror at gmail.com or give us a PM on Facebook, uh, we will... uh, we will figure out what we're going to send you. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. Thanks for uh, leaving voicemails, got, or uh, reviews, and keep doing it.
0: Congratulations to the winner. All righty. So, getting into the morbid fat courtesy of Room Morg magazine. This one is coming from issue 128 uh, from November of 2012. it seems a like a long time ago. Um, this is the one that uh, has Prince of Darkness on the cover. Uh Awesome stuff. Yeah. Prince of Darkness. Such a good film, isn't it? Alrighty, so the uh <laughs> this one right here. The budget on Lucio Falci's nineteen ninety film Demonia was allegedly so low that the prop whiskey that Grady Clarkson, who played the drunken Sean, was given was given was made up of watered down tea. Furthermore, he was instructed not to actually drink it during takes, as they could couldn't afford more, <laughs> couldn't afford to make more. <laughs> you know, your fucking budget is so low when you can't even drink the shit in the scene that you're fucking that you're shooting. Yeah, wow, that's,
1: that's pretty Dude, funny.
0: That's crazy low budget, man. I didn't realize *Demonia* was that low budget. I mean, it's not the greatest, faulty film in the world, but wow interesting stuff so that is going to conclude mood swings and moving into what we watched portion of the show if this is your first time listening to the program uh this is just where we pick a film review it and we just go round table so jp do you want to start
1: yeah so uh i watched catacombs from 1988 also known as curse four uh, which I actually didn't know until I watched it recently. Um, I've actually not seen Curse 1, 2, or 3, so that kind of bugs me, even though I'm sure... Do they have anything to do with the Curse films? No. Okay. So it's like a House 3 thing. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, who knew there was four Curse films, kind of? <laughs> Uh, this film uh, is set in a monastery, and it follows uh, a demon who's trapped in a monastery, and 400 years later, a young girl arrives at the monastery to study. That is your IMDb description. Uh, yeah, this one I was actually pretty goddamn surprised with. Uh, it is a Empire uh, production, I believe, so like Charles Benn and stuff but it actually has like this is like good old like full moon style good shit because it has a lot of um good set pieces this is back when when shit was going good uh this the same guy David uh Schmoller Schmollier, he directed David Schmoller. uh Tourist trap cross space uh of course catacombs um puppet master uh and another uh, world a couple other films throughout time so, um, you know, definitely, kind of the highlight uh, era of his career was uh, in the uh, late seventies to sort of uh, late eighties. And um, one of the things that I like right away is that it is sort of your religious horror, which I'm actually a fan of. I, I like religious horror a lot when when um, it's not The Exorcist, I guess you know, just like an exorcism. I do like the exorcist, but I, I don't just like, you know, your basic possessed exorcism type deal. Um, like I like the real, I like, I like the religion part of it where where it has a lot of, um, you know, like the church or something where, where it's like a lot of religious shit going on. Um, I was actually really surprised at the production level in this film Uh, all the the, like the 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 acting felt way better than i ever expected for for you know uh empire and stuff like that uh it's it's a really solid little uh horror movie that seems way bigger than it should be Uh, it is a little rusty in my mind right now because i did watch it last week um but overall i definitely very much enjoyed it there's a few uh cool scenes of makeup effects there's actually really good effects in this film and uh, give it about a seven out of ten.
0: Wow, you give that one a seven out of ten. Crazy. What what do you like? Do you like it? Nah, I'd probably give it about a four. Really? No. No, I like Atacom it man. It's fun. I I was not expecting to come in at like a seven though. <laughs> that surprised me. It really did. Alright. It really did. Alright, so um we're a little short on um films, well, we, films is <laughs> from for this me week, so.
1: yeah it's me guys uh i didn't want look, look i had to pull this from like i said last week but it was like two weeks ago uh i didn't watch anything this week besides <laughs> uh uh scream uh because i have to i'm got a screener copy of scream so i have to go i have to go through that whole series by like next week if i want to be current on the release date so um you know i've been watching that and also uh we, we went through a bunch of tremors films last week i was kind of taking a little break but um, Moons, of course, watches a million things whenever. But uh, what are you going to do, a segment maybe?
0: Yeah, I'm just going to get right into an Italian stallion. Um, so my Italian stallion of the week here is coming from 1974 from director Massimano Dallamano, um, who is responsible for directing uh, What Have They Done to Solange. In this movie right here. Is kind of like, uh, it's not a sequel, but it's kind of a sequel in name, I guess. And it's called What Have They Done to Your Daughters? So this was kind of like an unofficial sequel that came out like two years after, um, what they've done to Solange. And, uh, basically this one follows, um, well, the beginning of the film, it starts out, uh, Uh, This girl is dead hanging in this um, in this apartment and um, they think at first that she's committed suicide. Of course, upon further investigation, they they figure out that now she probably couldn't have committed suicide and she's uh, been murdered, uh, which ultimately leads them to a few more clues in certain places. And they kind of undercover or they uh, they kind of. It leads him into like this rank, this teenage prostitution ring that she could have been a part of and things like that. Um, so one thing leads to another and they start kind of investigating all around this main investigator and a sidekick, this female sidekick. And uh, and as they're doing their police investigation, all of a sudden this crazy guy like who's dressed all in leather, who rides a motorcycle um, is uh, starts. To pick off all these witnesses and these people that might be connected to this teenage prostitution racket that is very like politically corrupt and things like that. So so now they're trying to figure out exactly who's responsible for this prostitution racket. And meanwhile, they got to deal with this this wielding maniac who rides a motorcycle dressed in all leathers, wears a helmet, kind of like Nightmare Beach or (laughs) Welcome to Spring Break Killer, goes around killing people. With a fucking uh, meat cleaver, which is totally awesome looking in the film. It's just it's so crazy. Um, so that essentially is what the the synopsis of the film is. Now, this one is a giallo, but it's kind of like a hybrid giallo. It's, it's very different. It, it's very heavy on the police investigation in this film. And it, it's never it's never dull at all. Like right from the start of the film um it's interesting there's a lot of interesting things that are you know that are happening and it kind of goes you don't really know where it's going to go and then when you learn that uh the, that there's like this teenage prostitution racket that could be controlled by you know politicians and higher up people and things like that you're kind of like where is this going why is this people why is this person picking them off and it, there's just a lot of things that's kind of running through your mind and i, I really like the way this film was executed because like what i mean by a hybrid yellow film is that uh it's kind of different, man. It, it almost plays out like an action film at times. There's like action sequences in this with really crazy uh, uh, car chases, and the killer's not POV in this one. He is all dressed in black, but you do see the full figure, and th- the violence of the kills is just outstanding, man. It's like some of the shots where he, you know, digs this uh, uh, meat cleaver into people is done pretty well. It's like effective, the, like the way Massalan and Dalamana s- shot this film is pretty cool, man. It just, it captures the violence so heavy and it's just, it's awesome. So um, it has like this slasher feel uh, feel to it, which, you know, 1974 would be like a prototype slasher thing, but uh, mixed with Giallo and it's really, really fast paced for a film that's, you know, 86, 87 minutes long. Um, but very intriguing, very intriguing, uh, awesome follow up to what have they done to Solange. Completely different in, you know, style a little bit. The other one is more of a strictly kind of structured giallo. You know, it's more your traditional giallo. Um, this one's a little different. It's got like action sequences and things that are awesome. But I just couldn't get over the weapon in this. It was fantastic. The effects were awesome. Uh, the one downfall for this film is the fact that the dubbing in the movie is usually not a problem for me in Italian films, because that's just the way they did all their films. Um, But it's the simple fact that like a lot of the voices that are using this seem to be the same person dubbing over multiple characters. And that's like kind of a major problem for me because I'm, you know, when you're watching this, um, you know, a dub film, you're trying to associate certain voices and things, and they just they didn't fit proper at all, and it was kind of off-putting a little bit. Uh, it's just like a minor nitpick, but this is a really good mystery. I think it's a really well-done film. A lot of twists and turns, and uh, just awesomeness that it's happening in the film. It's got great music, and it's just, uh, it's got a really awesome ending, too. It's got an interesting ending to it. So, you know, it's a giallo, not really a whole mo- lot more to say about it. I don't want to give anything away. Um, you know, it does have a sleazy moments. You know, you see a lot of uh um well, which are supposed to be underage girls in the film, which is kind of an interesting thing because films like this would never be made now you know you know kind of imposing that like these kids are 15 16 years old and you know they're showing tits and muff and things like that you know it's just these films were only made in the early 70s you just can't really do that now but i do like the whole political aspect of it and all the corruption and and it was really kind of uh of the times in italy this film was really representing the times of italy with um they had a major problem in the early 70s with teenagers disappearing from their homes and a lot of them would end up in these teenage prostitution rackets and out on the streets prostituting themselves or they just end up dead or on drugs and things like that. And they, they showcase a lot of this in there. So if you kind of know the history of of Italy for the Times, um, you know, this is a very relative piece and it's it's very effective in what it is. So, I mean, I'm, catch, I'm catching that like 42 years later. Um, so it's obviously a good piece of cinema. Um, But I highly recommend this um, this edition right here is coming from shameless entertainment, shameless screen entertainment. Um, It says, you know, it's 87 minutes long. It's the longest cut ever. This is recut. Uh, This is like fully uncut. So it does have all the blood and, and gore and stuff. And I will say the effects besides, you know, like, you know, the, the cleavers going into people looks awesome, but the blood looks great. You know, a lot of times in these early seventies films or mid seventies and stuff, the blood can look very kind of paintish and just kind of offbeat and just doesn't look right. This one looks fucking great. The, the, the blood looks fantastic. And uh, that's a big plus. That's a really, really big plus. And there's some pretty bloody moments in this too, man. I will add. So Interesting stuff. Love the killer. Loved everything about this. I thought it was really, really great. I'm going to give it about an 8.5 out of 10. And uh, yeah, what have they done to your daughters? Check it out from Shameless. It's
1: awesome. Cool, cool, man. Uh, that's sounded pretty cool. I definitely want to pick up a Shameless or two in the future. I don't own any yet, uh, but there's a few I got my eye on. So, uh, Moods, uh, we got something a little bit different next. Yeah, we do. Uh so this is not your typical uh what we watched segment portion. Uh because this isn't even a horror film what we're about to discuss, but it, it is genre, it. it is cult, it is black exploitation. Yes. I, I've reviewed a black exploitation film or two on this podcast before.
0: I think it's happened. Uh
1: and yeah, so this is coming to us courtesy of Vinegar Syndrome. Yeah. And what is it? It is Rudy Ray,
0: Ray Moore's Dolomite.
1: 1975.
0: Yeah. R- Rudy Ray Moore, man. Always considered, you know, a lot of people always consider him to be like the first rapper, you know, because of his rhyme schemes and his uh, just He to,
1: himself considers himself that as well.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> because I mean, it's kind of interesting because he was doing this for, you know, a
1: few years before it
0: became, you know, mainstream and popularized and stuff. But I like his comedy, man. His, his show is pretty cool, man. And it actually it, they,
1: is in Rosemary's Baby. How about that? Really?
0: Yeah. Wow. Um, but yeah, he showcases it. Uh, there's actually quite a long scene in the film where he's doing a bit of his act. Uh, I really enjoyed the scene. But um, but yeah, you want to get into the synopsis of it?
1: Actually, it's the director who I believe is in *Rosemary's Baby*. Oh, the director is. Yeah, I, I heard that on the commentary, but I mixed it up. Uh, so yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. Dolmite is a pimp who was set up by Willie Green and the cops, who have planted drugs, stolen furs, and guns in his trunk and got him sentenced to twenty years in jail. One day, Queen Bee and a warden plan to get him out of jail and get Willie Green and Mitchell busted for what they did to him. However, Dolmite is no stupid man and has a lot of warriors backing him, <laughs> such as his call girls, who are karate experts and lots more. That is your IMDb written description by Ali Jordana. <laughs>
0: uh, uh, I just I love these black exploitation films, man, where it starts out with the American character. Dolomite is a jail. pimp. <laughs> he's a pimp, and he's getting out of jail. It's just like all these like crazy cliches and it's, it's awesome stereotypes and things. But um, this is a fun film, man. I haven't seen I haven't watched Dolomite in years and years, and I remembered it to be. You know, I, I remember liking it, but man, watching it again, man, I really noticed one thing is how much like funk and like baseline <laughs> present music is in this film, and it just drives the film. It's like so effective because it's just so of the times, and yeah, you know, <laughs> oh, love yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. it's so good.
1: Um, this film is obviously super low budget, super amateurish, but oh, uh, it is nice. it is definitely carried by Rudy Ray Moore as Dolomite, who's just this guy with uh, charisma. Uh, he's just it's it's classic black exploitation style where it is style. It's just it's like an overdone style that just is in your face. And you can't help but like smile when you hear him say things.
0: Oh, no. Every time he delivers a line, it's just it's like the blackest of black things, man. It's just so <laughs> awesome because he's so proud of his yeah. character. But the thing is, Rudy Ray Moore is like just totally playing himself in it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, it's, definitely. It's, just, it's like the way he's coming across and the way he talks and the way he rhymes, that, that's totally him. But he's having so much fun with Dolomite, man. It's just, you know, some of the dialogue in the film is so cheesy and things that, you know, the interactions between characters and stuff. But the one thing about this movie I love is very, very typical, you know, early 70s black exploitation is the editing in these films is like, is so funny. The editing is just hilarious, man. There'll be scenes where... <laughs> It's just uh oh, it's just that low budget, like everything that you look for in a black exploitation is present in Dolomite.
1: Yeah. You know? And I mean
0: it's just oh, you just notice it right away. It's just funny, choppy. Um, the way the story is told. Like it's a very simple story, it that really that kind of doesn't
1: make any sense at all in and, the world. That's
0: that that's the thing, right? The story is so simple, like but at the same time, exactly what you said, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Like, Dolomite is sentenced or he's set up by Willie Green. Anyways, he gets out of jail due to circumstances. I don't and, know.
1: Like, I, like, literally, like, the warden of the jail is like, hey, I'm going to let you out so you can stop Willie Green because you know a lot about the streets. I know. And I was like, <laughs>
0: okay. I'm like, rewatch this going. That makes absolutely no sense because there's no way they're just going to let out some pimp to go stop Willie Green. To go like – you know. Like how much right. power does Willie Green have, and how and like how much power does Dolomite have? But yeah, so they literally let him out of the jail, and of course Willie Green has taken over his club, which is called what was it, the Total Experience, and they I don't think they even really explain in the film
1: why Dolomite owed him fifty thousand dollars, did they? I I'm not sure. I if it's really I think it got lost I, in translation. This is not a film where you pay attention to the details. But
0: well, it's <laughs> funny because it becomes so prevalent in it because you know he has a meeting with Willie Green towards the end of the film. He's like, you know, fifty thousand he gives him the fifty thousand dollars that he digs up in his club when he goes there one day and stuff, and he's like, I you owe me a hundred thousand, you know, due to interest and things. And I'm like, Why did he owe you fifty thousand in the first place? You stole his club after you set him up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. One of the so. things that you will see in this film is like there, there's a scene right at the beginning where he gets out of jail and he got his Dolomite girls with him. And they start giving him clothes because he doesn't want to hop in his car with wearing like prison clothes. Yeah. Um, and he puts them on and he's like, Yeah, I, you think I wear cotton, bitch? <laughs> or something. And he throws, throws the draws. But he's then like, I don't
0: wear cotton draws. <laughs> yeah.
1: Th- then he gets in the limo and the chicks take off his clothes. Like, so it's like just literal, just dumb things that happen that yeah. you're just like, ah.
0: That whole scene is edited so funny because he's standing outside the prison and these guards are standing there. And as he's changing, they're kind of like taking their hats off and scratching their head. Like, what the fuck is this guy
1: doing? Yeah. yeah, (laughs) I love that scene. It's so funny. Uh, I mean, you have uh, tons of, you know, chicks who are naked and sex scenes and.
0: One of my favorite things about black exploitation films is they they spend so much time on wardrobe and just the aesthetics of the film and like those costumes that they have are just amazing. Like where the fuck do you find this stuff? Especially considering how low budget this film is. Yeah, like, the costumes are outstanding. Like, they look great. They look like real pimps. Like, he looks like a real pimp. And all the girls around him and everything, they're all done up to the point. You're just like, it It, it just flows so well when you're watching. Like, that's believable. And, of course, this film, of course, has its, you know, its various typical, stereotypical, uh, you know, corruption in religion and things like that. <laughs> of course, like, which is another really kind of oddball plot point in it with the priest who has, like, all these weird connections, but he's, like, this priest of this church, and uh, or he's a reverend, and but he's, like, a gun dealer. He's got guns, and, and he's got all these weird connections and things like that. The, the story makes absolutely no sense at times, but, but it's and so it, enjoyable. It's almost
1: going to hurt your head to make it, to try to make it make sense. So yeah. really what you're here for is to just see, like, exploitation, essentially, it's, it's and because- you're here to watch uh, Rudy May, Rudy Ray Moore just be Dolomite.
0: It's really all about dialogue and just the way the film is presented. I mean, like, you get introduced to these characters, like, it seems like in the middle of like their arc, you know, it's like, oh, this guy's given a a sermon, all of a sudden he's got like a thing of guns, and the cop's just like, okay. (laughs) He just like walks out of there. Yeah. (laughs) What? See, like, things like that don't make any sense of like, these guys kind of trust this guy to like, he's running the streets, but why do you, you have like fully automatic weapons in your church, man?
1: It, it even kind of ends weird. <laughs> like, it just it just kind of ends. And he says, yeah. you know, th- there's a line spoken. And then you're like, what? <laughs> yeah,
0: I honestly, I love the last, like, 15, 20 minutes of the film. I always remember this film having a little more action. Like, there's some, you know, car chases and, you know, things like that. You're going to see in these films and stuff. And, you know, some, some obviously very, very amateurish uh, fight scenes. Like, even, like, you know, Ray, Ray Morris punches. Oh, my started.
1: God. They don't even come close to connecting.
0: They're so odd. It's so exploitive and just so low budget. It's so sweet, man, just how bad it's done. But uh, like almost all the scenes. But, you know, there's not a whole lot leading up to the last 15 minutes. So, you know, it, like this movie kind of sells itself as like, you know, here's Dolomite and his uh, his karate, you know, women, his karate fighting women, things like that, which they're is not, hilarious. <laughs> they're not really that prevalent until the end of the film. They do showcase. They actually
1: the- could have like exploited that a little bit more. That's what um, I always th- I thought that too actually
0: because you know they show them fighting in the dojos and things like that and mm-hmm. you know but there's no really big action sequences probably due to budget and stuff in the last 50 minutes you get a little bit of action and stuff but the last 50 minutes 15 20 minutes of the film is probably the most entertaining of Dolomite because you not only get the action sequences that you've been waiting for all film but you also also get Rudy Ray Moore doing stand up basically his whole act is in there like him doing his rhymes and shit and that basically Andrew Dice Clay kind of ripped off a little bit but in my opinion but uh, yeah that that shit is entertaining as fuck man but talk about you know did you watch this thing in the uh, the other version like the other because uh, you can watch it in the it's called the alternate full frame boom bike boom mic version so if you watch this in full frame you can catch all the boom mics fall into the screen <laughs>
1: uh yeah so um (laughs) (laughs) i did not watch it in the boom mic version uh fully but i did scan through it and you actually see the boom mic in the regular version as well
0: (laughs) oh i totally missed it i didn't even see one of the yeah
1: there's i caught the boom mic at least at least two times really
0: jesus i didn't even notice it's crazy
1: one of them is like at the end like a pivot like like one of the like in the hospital <laughs> it's like over on the side it's hilarious because it's awesome. very vi- visual vis- visible um but yeah so um i did did you happen to check out any of the special features on here meds
0: i actually didn't have time i watched this earlier today and i just like i was out of time
1: <laughs> okay well you should have because uh that is actually one of the best things about this release and really makes it uh worthwhile for picking up Uh, so one of the things is that the commentary is really good
2: it is very
1: good Uh, it is done by uh, mark jason murray who actually did the biography on uh ray uh, rudy ray moore and he does the commentary uh he's you know a historian essentially and he starts out with just talking about the movie and then he'll actually play audio clips from interviews that he had done with people uh like the producers and and the, the cinematographers and then he'll read quotes from people that he's done interviews with and he'll even talk about his personal experiences with uh Rudy Ray Moore because he originally was a uh he ran a website or something like that or or what he was working for a small magazine company reached out to uh, rudy ray moore got an interview and then over the years they actually became friends uh he actually hired him to uh, rudy ray moore hired him to run rudy ray moore's website uh i mean it's a great commentary that really talks about the that there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff like this film was done so cheap you learn a lot about uh rudy ray Moore and the fact that he he got his start making comedy albums he, yep. he actually was in a he grew up on a farm and he didn't want to be like in that era so he moved and then he got started making these comedy albums and they got big and huge he, one of the only people to have like two top charting comedy albums out at the same time yep. um yep. he went and took the money that he made from those and made this movie because his the Dolomite character existed in his comedy albums. He made this movie. Yep. Um, it was way harder than he was expecting. I mean, the, the junkie in the movie is a real junkie. Have you ever heard
0: <laughs> Have you ever heard any of his stand-up before? I haven't. His com- oh, you haven't? Oh, man. It's good.
1: Yeah, it's, so... Uh, he's good. The, the, the historian is interesting because he's just... A, he's a, he, he described himself as a bald white guy with tattoos. Um, <laughs> so it was... He said you know uh, Ru- Rudy Ray Moore would give like gave him gifts over the years which he cherishes and and you know he asked for pictures one time and, and Rudy Ray Moore sent him this he opens his box and on top of the box is this just naked ass of some girl that gets a porn magazine and he's like, <laughs> it's totally like Rudy Ray Moore but at the end of the day there's also that it actually had a reason because there was an article in an interview of Rudy Ray Moore in the magazine Um, So, you know, just all this fantastic stuff. I really, really love this commentary. Vinegar Syndrome props to them for for getting this uh, Mark Jason Murray guy to do it. Uh, And then there's other really cool stuff on there too. I, Dolmite, the making of documentary, they really get into the behind the scenes. Like they were shooting in like abandoned buildings and they they would dress them up in these – uh, you know, set pieces. And then they just leave it there. They just leave all the stuff there, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, just tons of different things. Uh, the boom mic version uh, is actually due to the cinematographer who actually went on to make, you know, decent movies, uh, cinematography, do decent cinematography work. But he did, he was so amateur that he didn't realize that like when the films are going to be projected, um, the top like you know he just had the wrong ratio in his head what he when he was filming he was visualizing it wrong he wasn't visualizing it for the future he was visualizing it for what was happening on the you know, yeah, whatever. yeah and apparently they wouldn't even get dailies back for two weeks so like th- they couldn't fix things they <laughs> you know they just had to roll with it um super low budget filmmaking guerrilla filmmaking awesome stuff there's an interview uh with uh queen bee on here as well uh awesome awesome release by vinegar syndrome i highly recommend checking out the commentary and the making of and the other features on there Uh, i was i was really happy with it pretty almost more interesting than the movie itself especially when they talk about all the things that that this guy rudy ray Moore influenced rappers like dr dre and snoop Dogg, easy e i mean the list goes on uh people in the black community today still reference his dolomite character and him. He was a larger than life person, and it's very interesting to get to know more about him. I mean, I was I was really impressed with the special features on here. There's not many that making of is like 24 minutes. The interview is like 20 minutes, and the commentaries, of course, feature length. But it's it's enough to definitely warrant a pickup on that. If you're into black exploitation, especially Zach, yeah, it,
0: it's it's de- yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a must own. You know, Dolomite. I, I I had a lot of fun with watching Dolomite again, man. I, I just some of the sayings, man. Like it even says really the we back, like rat soup eat motherfucker. <laughs> I just
1: love the shit that he would come up with, man. It's like what? Yeah. Oh shit, man. Th- this is a perfect Lots example of, of a commentary quotes. that is not dry. Uh, it's a, but done by a well-spoken, charismatic person uh, who's feeding you information and entertaining you at the same time. Great commentary. What do you rate this film, Moods? Um man honestly
0: I really enjoy this film. I'm a I'm a really really big fan of black exploitation films like I mean I at the end of the day you know these films are super low budget. They're actually made pretty shitty. Uh the acting in in the film for the most part is pretty atrocious. Like there's some there's some points man I, you know some of the interactions you're just like oh my god like this is just <laughs> horrible man. Like it's just both people are just terrible. Um it always makes me life laugh, laugh in these films too how they always have like the the token white chicken in the film or the white yeah, guy yeah, yeah. <laughs> in every scene. It's kind of funny. I don't know. It was probably done purposely. I don't know, but it always makes me laugh. But, um, yeah, man, I, I highly recommend Dolomite. man. It's not like the greatest film ever made or anything, but I'm going to give it a six and a half out of 10.
1: Yeah. I'm actually going to come in at a seven on this one, uh, which does surprise. That's the rating I wrote down. Now that you said 6.5, I feel like I need to give a lower rating because that makes me feel like mine's too high, but you know, um, it's it's a bad movie in terms of technical aspects. But I feel like it's highly entertaining. So this is the case where um, it, it the entertainment value does bring it up, um, but also maybe the backstory kind of swayed me a little bit too. Uh, but anyway, it—I mean, it's fun. It's a fun movie. You're gonna have the fun thing is, with it if you like black exploitation movies. You'll definitely have fun with it. This character is so cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can—I can watch these films all the time though. I—I I never get sick of them. They just—they crack me up, man. Yeah. One thing about black exploitation that's so prevalent in like a lot of the films is how off the gunshots always are. Notice the gunshots (laughs) are always off in it, man. It just it never matches up properly. Like the sound is either too great for what they're using, or there's there's no fire coming out the end of it, or it's just like the movements are off. (laughs) It's it's all prevalent here, man. This is just a classic case of a perfect black exploitation film. It has it all.
1: all Boom mics and all. (laughs) That was sort of uh your your co-featured review.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Um yeah, I guess moving into the uh, the featured review of episode 80 of the 22 Shots and Moods and Horror here. Of course, I guess I don't really have to say that, do I? Um, and this is going to be the fourth installment of Jörg Berkeret's, uh filmography. And I guess this is probably considered to be his last uh, full-length uh, horror film, isn't it?
1: Uh, yeah, in, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You know, it's funny if you look on his filmography, like it's it shows that he has a couple more after this. Um, But I don't know if those things ever materialized properly or whatever happened to them. But uh, but yeah, from 1993, we have a film called Shram.
1: Yeah, also goes under the title Shram into the mind of a serial killer. That's right you want to give the plot synopsis on that?
0: Uh, I don't know if I want to read that one here.
4: Okay,
1: I'll read the top one. That's way better.
0: Alrighty, so getting into the uh, synopsis of Shram into the mind of a serial killer from 1993. As serial killer Lothar Shram lies dying in his own blood, horrific memories of his miserable life of paranoia, self-harm and rejection flash before his eyes. A traffic look a tragic look into the mind of a borderline personality disorder psychopath. And that's exactly how the film starts.
1: Yeah, you know what, man? I always wondered what Schram meant. Apparently I thought it was something German. Apparently it's just the guy's last name.
0: It literally is the guy's <laughs> last
1: name. Uh did you happen to play the intro by Yord Burkright? I did. Yeah, I always love those intros, man. More companies need to do that. Call <laughs> Epics does it. Um, I love it, love it, love it when they they do that.
0: I, I just love when he like the way he ends it, and he's like, uh, "What does he say again?" He says something on the lines of, "You're probably not going to enjoy this," or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just I like that when the director's so blunt and honest about their work. Yeah. It's like this might be a little extreme for you. Just letting you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. So the idea behind this film is. Uh, jörg Burray always anytime he talks he does seem a little like full of himself almost um, he's definitely a little arrogant and uh, I-, I think sometimes his vision is lost or he thinks his vision is greater than it actually is or how it's actually perceived um, but I am a fan of him uh, that's just my interpretation of of him when he talks
0: I-, I think I think he could probably toot his own whistle a little. A little more with uh, you know talking about this film or presenting this film, you know. After I watched it, I kind of thought about it after, and I was like, "Yeah, this this is a pretty good film." Honestly, I really enjoyed this movie. I thought this was this was fantastic right from the opening start. I, I wasn't really sure exactly what I was going to get myself into with this one. Reading the synopsis, you know, basically the film starts out with your main character um, Shram. We'll just call him Shram. Um, and he's laying in, yeah, he's laying in a pool of his own blood in basically on the floor in a pile of paint also. Mm-hmm. And it, in the way, but you York, don't
1: really know what the hell's going on at this. No,
0: point. you you have no idea. So basically what the film kind of captures is, you know, it, the way York shoots it, he kind of shoots it like, you know, he focuses the camera right on his face and it just kind of goes right in behind, behind his eyes and it goes into his head and all of a sudden you start having, um, the story is told, uh, for the few days leading up to his death or whatever. To yeah, the it doesn't episode.
1: really feel like chronologically.
0: It's not. The, the narrative is very broken in this, which is kind of which an interesting way. Which makes
1: sense. Of, it's supposed to be.
0: Yeah, so basically what it does, it, it kind of goes right into his head and then it showcases memories of not only of, of him being a child, but, you know, things that have happened in the days leading up to this accident, has happened to him in the beginning of the film. And it also... Um, yeah, so the narrative's told like that, and it also breaks into like the present day. Also, so if you're not really paying attention, you might kind of miss that, or you might kind of get confused. But the narrative is a very broken structure of memories and present, uh, you know, reality. Yeah. So it's a very interesting way of telling a story because it goes backwards, but it is present at the same time. Not too many filmmakers attempt this. You know, it's very artsy in itself, which if you're familiar with York's work from Necromantic and Tortoise King, you know exactly kind of what you're getting yourself into. And I think I think this really works
1: for sure. You do know exactly what you're getting into because it's definitely more of the same. And what I was saying at the beginning when he does his intro, um, he does say that he wanted to make this movie because so many movies show you. Serial killers, but not really from their mindset and and that was kind of his idea He wanted to show you the inside of the mind of a serial
0: killer. Yeah, He, he wanted to cut out everything else He didn't want to make a film about a serial killer killing people and having a police investigation. And uh, he actually, you know, it's
1: a little stab at Giallo's there.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it's kind of funny. He's like, well, I, you know, basically we couldn't afford a police car anyway. So that whole idea was thrown out the window. <laughs> and so we just kind of focused on visions in his head and we told the story that way. And I was like, you know what? It's probably a, sometimes it works better if you have no budget. You know, I think this, you know, this is an, to me, it's almost a more interesting take on it. Because it's unique.
1: Yeah, you know, I am a little surprised that you said right away that you thought this was a good movie and that you liked it, because um I do as well, but I wasn't expecting you to because you know, it is. I wasn't more expecting of the to same. like this
0: either. It was weird. I going into this film, I was like, I was very, very cautious and I was like, hey, I'm gonna keep my pin I'm just gonna watch this thing, and I was honestly Right from the opening credits into where I, you know, until you, you basically you see kind of almost the camera, like you can kind of envision it, how York did it. It's, it's interesting how he has these visions, which I was really getting into and just the way he presents it. You know, he's lying there and all of a sudden it's like into these dreams and I was getting it right away. It was there was no beating around the bush. I was understanding what he was doing right away. And I was yeah. like, this is really interesting. It's working for me already. But the thing that that really caught my attention with this film is how Jorg's films always start out the same. He always has this really unique score with his very simple credits rolling, but it's so fucking effective. It's like this reality that he's never been able to escape and he he, he manages to set all his films in like this weird reality and it works.
1: Yeah, I, so I definitely awesome. agree with that. And honestly, like I did defend um, his three previous films a little bit more than you guys. I know you guys weren't like low on him or, or super low on him, but I seem to like them most out of all three of us. So, of course, I'm talking about Jeremy when he was on the show. Uh, but I think watching Shram this time not only got me into the mind of a serial killer, but also got me into the mind of York Berkerite, who I really think I finally get um he he has a vision and he really displays it in not dialogue and in not um storytelling but just in visual stimulation yeah, and that's what yeah. I like about his films, and I think that I even watching Shram now, I, I feel like I can go back and watch Necromantic one and two and Toad's King, and even like a more because I, I kind of get him a little bit more. Do, do you think it's? Do you think it's?
0: In fact, that you know, reviewing his films in chronological order, do you see like a growth in his filmmaking? Yeah. Or we're I do. just starting to understand it because I honestly I think, think, it's think this film. Because I think it is, man. I think it's a little elevated. And I think what he captured in this was, you know, the like I said, the narrative's all broken. Things are all different and stuff. But it, it makes perfect sense to me. I, there, for a second, I was never lost in this. I understand exactly what he was doing. He's doing exactly what he did in all the other films. But I think he did it a little more effective here. He's showcasing tons and tons of symbolism. And there's a lot of metaphors. And there's all these things that are going on that he always has in his films. Mm-hmm. But this one is like, maybe it's a little more... It's not as subtle at times. I don't know. Maybe it's just it I is think you, what it is. I
1: think we we maybe you probably picked up on it better than some people actually would. I think it, I think and it probably helps that we've watched him direct three films before this, so we kind of know him a little bit by now, and I mm-hmm. think we 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 know what to look for with him because there was a lot of metaphors and symbolism in *Dude, King* as well. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I I love, mean that, that, that he does he has dope. a certain. Technique, a certain thing that he does a lot, and it's—I know you don't like slow mo, but I think York does it pretty good. Like he does this slow mo with, um, uh, you know, music really well, and he does it. I think in all of his films, yeah. This one done in slow mo.
0: I think he does it the best in this film. I I I thought it was effective the way he was doing it because I think it was the music, but I think it was the visuals with the music. I think he captured it perfectly, and I think that's how slow mo works the best is if you can put the right music with the right visual.
1: Yeah. Right? And the sometimes- right amount of the right style of slow-mo. Cause it's almost exactly. like a dragging slow-mo. Yeah. Like- I, you know, sometimes like you can just have
0: slow-mo scenes. You're just like, Oh, what the fuck does this have to be in slow-mo? It doesn't really make a lot of sense. I think what he was doing here was working. It was, I just got it. You know, I was like, that actually does make sense. And it was never bothering me in certain films. I'm just like, Oh my God, really? Like you're dragging that out. This one, I felt like the pacing in this film was perfect along with the you know 65
1: minutes long dude
0: 65 minutes long yeah and it was you know honestly it it rips by quite fast and even with the kind of like the slower moments it's very typical york films it doesn't have a lot of dialogue it's more visual and things but it never affected the pacing at all it's the visuals were so captivating and so fucking graphic
1: yeah because there's like that scene in necromantic where they sit there and eat an egg for like 20 minutes. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, see, and that, it's that scene drags a little bit.
0: See, I think this is where he's grown as a filmmaker because he, you know, he kind of does the same thing in this one. Not as much, but like, it just, it seems to work better. He just, he, maybe it's the way he edited it. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not hundred so, percent sure, but it works.
1: Uh, is that, I'm pretty sure it's you that I stuff freaks you out or am I thinking of somebody else? Just...
0: Oh my God. So <laughs> I was having a little bit of a mental breakdown today watching this film. And I knew I was going to get myself into a little bit of eye action in this film. There's a scene where basically, how did you there's, know? There's well, because on the back of the the Shram case, there's a there's a, a picture of a dude with something in his uh, eye. I
1: didn't look at the shirt in the back. Of the so face. I knew
0: I was getting, I didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but my God, I was having some major, major issues <laughs> with that scene. I gagged three times and I was having, I could, I was having a problem watching. I kept
1: putting like, my hand up to my eye and I don't do that often. I was like, was Oh like, my God, it's it was so pretty. Brutal. I can't, it was making me jerky, yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs> the effect was just nasty in this man. <laughs> really, really nasty, yeah, it's effective. It comes across, I mean, some people could probably think of it as being like shock value and things like that, but it it actually does make sense for the film because you know it's there's symbolism, there's metaphors for exactly what he's doing, and um yeah, it was uh it's very. It's hard to watch.
1: You know what other effect I really like is the uh, brain where he's like kind of pulling his head apart and he's looking at his brain. Yeah, I know that's creepy. Yeah. Totally. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, um, a lot of, uh, uncut penis in this movie.
0: Yeah. A lot of, um, you know, uh, you know, and it's interesting cause I've heard people say that, you know, uh, about this film there was some unnecessary things that were in this film and i was like okay uh but i think you know what he's doing um you know we're introduced to this character oh, Shrimp, yeah, and are we, you
1: telling me that serial killers might do unnecessary things hmm.
0: <laughs> i know right so this character you know exactly you know what's going on in this film i mean it, your he he captures like the beauty and you know the lust of what's going on and the pain and just his elegant vision of the film and you know you understand right away that this character has se- severe mental issues like he's dealing with you know later on in the film you actually get a little bit of insight when he's date or when he's out to lunch with um actually the girl from necromantic 2 who lives across from him who's like a total slut or whatever uh he kind of uh he kind of digs her you know, to a certain mm-hmm. extent, but anyways, there's a scene where he is talking to her, and you get a little bit of insight into the character of why he might be exactly what he, why he's doing his things because he explains that you know he was he almost once had a wife, and it was kind of a one sided relationship and things like that, and you know you kind of get that instant insight into maybe that this relationship is the reason why he's doing these things, and he knows deep down inside that he is not. A bad person and he or not that he's a bad person but he knows that what he's doing is wrong and the way I interpreted him you know with the penis scenes now I will say it is nasty he pulls his penis out and he takes nails and he literally nails these nails right through his penis and it's not even cut like it's fucked up man And I think the way the reason why he's doing that in the film is because he's punishing himself for what he's been doing to other people. You know, it's kind of it's it might be a little more sexual perversion or whatever, maybe gets off on it. But I don't think so, because they never actually go into it after the fact, like, you know, he's driving these spikes into his penis and he's coming and things like that. It's not like necromantic where, you know, he stabs himself and you know he gets off on it. It's yeah, like no, a totally not, different thing. It's
1: not like that at all.
0: No, I think what he's doing is he's actually punishing himself because he knows that what he's doing is wrong. He doesn't want to kill these people, but he's deeply disturbed. And this is what he this is how he reacts in the film. And I just got this from York right away. I was like, that makes total sense. I mean the average person would not uh, drive spikes through their penis and torture themselves, but he's doing it because he's doing shitty things to people and he doesn't want to do it, but he can't fucking help it because he has these urges and these sexual urges that he just, you know, he has to fulfill.
1: He's also crazy as shit. And I, I I know there's a scene where he describes a dream that he had where his like penis was gone. I think that has something to do with it as well. Maybe, um, I, I don't know about like,
0: see it, it. Probably, it probably has something to do maybe it's a subconscious thing where if I didn't have a penis I wouldn't be doing these type of things you know maybe, yeah. it's, maybe, maybe it's a guilty conscience maybe that's exactly what Yorg is saying he's saying this is you know he's he's dreaming of no penis and that's his guilty conscience saying if you didn't have this penis dude you wouldn't be fucking killing people you know getting yourself <laughs> into these troubles so yeah it, and there's, there's a lot of imagery in this film that really does showcase the mental stability of uh, Shram's character I mean Jesus Christ, man, there's a scene in here where it turns almost like Frank Hennenlauter a little bit with this fucking bionic, you know uh i don't know what you want to call vagina i guess with teeth that he's envisioning i guess it's the same thing it's it's more symbolism in the fact that you probably shouldn't be sticking your dick into somewhere where it shouldn't where it doesn't belong kind of thing you know but the effects are hilarious it's literally this vagina with like legs with fucking dirty ass teeth that appears in his bed it
1: looks like a chicken like a like a whole chicken yeah, it does. It's really strange. I bet it, it was. And,
0: and not only does this thing not – like it doesn't just show up once in his bed. He, he's like in the bathroom in one scene and it shows up in his drawer. And like it's obviously – you know, it's a metaphor for like his subconscious is coming out to play. You know, just stay the fuck out of this thing, you know.
1: Yeah. Um, also, uh, there's this scene where he has like the blow-up doll.
0: Which he's – you know, it's interesting. At, at first, I didn't understand – why or who he was listening to fucking but he was listening to the chick next door i didn't because, even notice
1: that because, because
0: she was be, because she's a whore right and then the, he kind of loathed her but he liked her at the same time because he he
1: that's he usually respect, how the serial killers are right yeah
0: like he respected <laughs> that she fucked him but she, he didn't like it that it wasn't him so he would punish his blow-up doll and i i thought that was a very interesting scene where you know as she's fucking in the room and you hear the sounds and then all of a sudden you he gets off this blow-up doll and it's just like a half blow-up doll and he literally penetrates it like if you look closely he puts his cock right into it like oh, in yeah. the yeah there's like, uh, this is
1: this is method acting here
0: yeah totally and but i thought it was very intriguing that not only did york show that scene i mean that's that's totally makes sense but <laughs> after the fact he shows shram cleaning the vagina that's up.
1: what i thought was interesting too and i was to like... go
0: that one step further in the film and show that you're just like Damn, dude! I was like, I was more disturbed by him cleaning yeah, out. His so was I. I was too. Out of the it was brain. like, uh... <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is that? That I thought that was really kind of interesting filmmaking. You know, I was like, damn, it it got me thinking. I was like, Phew,
1: yeah, pretty yeah. Weird. weird. Weirdo movie, man. This is this is this is one of those uh, definite York Berggren films. But uh, you have such an interesting little four filmography from this guy.
3: Hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I honestly and I, honestly Shram sorry for cutting you off but Shram was the one that I've heard least about like I heard of necromantic films obviously and I've heard of the Toad's King a lot Shram I never really heard much about
0: yeah yeah I know me either I, I think I, I think it was just super hard to get before and I think um, I mean the little things I'd heard about it I'd heard mostly negative things about the film. And I think maybe it might just be misunderstood a little bit. I mean I, I always feel like that's kind of a cop out to say things like that, but I honestly truly believe it might be. You know, I think Necromantic just has such a such a cult aura about it that those are the films that you go to and anything else is like it's either Detorskin or fucking shram. You know, it just seems like it's on a different level. It doesn't really get the respect, but I don't know. Um I don't know. For me, this movie just worked on all levels. Like, it's very interesting. There's one scene in this film that not only like you, as you're watching this broken narrative where it's kind of going backwards, and you're getting like these present day things, and and it's it's really easy to fall. Like, you know, the scene where the uh, the uh, the religious couple shows up at the house, and you know, that's 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 a big point in it. Like, just how brutal he actually is. Oh, yeah. You know, and like what he does and then even showcases. That was a
1: great effect, by the way, the throat.
0: Yeah, man. Look, probably, yeah, some of his best effects and stuff Mm -hmm. like the blood splatter in the room. But like even later on in the film, they show him painting and which ultimately comes full circle. So I actually think the structure of the film works so well because it just it really does make sense. And especially the last scene as he's he's laying on the the floor and then you get to see his visions and things that are happening and stuff. But there is one scene in this film I thought was very interesting and I wanted to ask you what exactly you thought it might mean. Because there's a scene like in the middle of the narrative, it all of a sudden cuts to outside of his apartment and it goes into black and white. And it shows, I'm assuming like a homeless person who commits suicide and he just shoots himself in the head. And then the way York shoots it, it's, it's great though. And He kind of he like crouches down and he kind of gets read right in there and you see the blood flowing down the sidewalk and it turns to black and white. This has nothing to do with the narrative in the film. It kind of like jumps out of its own narrative and just showcases this random suicide scene. And you're like, what the fuck? And I'm like, I don't understand what I'm watching right now. I don't understand how this relates to the narrative. I don't get this at all, but I was like, I was like brutally fascinated with what I was seeing, the imagery and the way it was shot was just so fantastic to me that I was like, I don't know. Maybe JP knows something more than like, I, I, I that honestly the,
1: didn't know either. I just thought it might have been a callback to do Toad King or something.
0: Yeah, it's weird how it just jumps out of itself. But right?
1: I also feel like everything in his films actually means something to him. Like, I yeah. truly believe that about him.
0: Well, maybe it's one of those cases where that scene in particular means something completely different to him or worse are you're trying to figure it out. But, I mean, maybe we're not supposed to know. Maybe it's just there for maybe he just wanted to throw that in there because he had the footage. I don't know. But it, I love the way it was shot. And maybe it doesn't work, but it's a quick scene. And, you know, it's it, 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 it kind of looked like almost like a... Um, like a real suicide. It was crazy. To <laughs> yeah, me it just man. I was like, wow, he just like caught that on tape. Like obviously it's not real. Yeah, You know, you wouldn't put that into a film, but like it looked pretty or fucking would real. You. <laughs> or would you, right? Exactly, exactly. That'd be
1: some shit though, you were making a movie and catch a real suicide on film.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but I don't know, man. I I think that I think that, you know, for such a short film, I think that York does a great job of not only showcasing the the you know the brutal mind of the serial killer but it also you know in sixty five minutes he manages to humanize this character also like I said you know when he's talking to uh or when he's out for dinner with the the girl what's her name in the film uh shit Monica M. I think she she has the same name in this film as Necromantic 2 Maybe which is, she's
1: supposed to be the same person then that's what and I thought, too.
0: Connected. I, that's what I was kind of thinking, too. I'm thinking this is set in the same world as her, and it's really strange. But, you know, like like I said, he, he manages to humanize the character, too, because he has a moment where he tells her about how his wife, his to-be-wife had left him and things like that. And, and you know, he's having these moments, and you, you kind of get to feel for him a little bit in that short period of time. It's effective. It's it's simple, but it's effective. At least he showed that, you know? You know, it's it's kind of sympathetic, but at the same time, it's like, well, you can't really side with this guy or be sympathetic to his character because he simply likes to, you know, kill women and take pictures of them in sexual, sexually explicit positions. Yeah. Like That's like, you know, but I don't know, man.
1: I, I got a lot of um similar feelings to this when, that I did when I watched uh, Angst. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. was also released by Colin Epics.
0: Hmm.
1: Um. I really, I I honestly did very much like this movie, though. I was I was actually wasn't expecting all that much, to be honest. You
0: know, I'm in the same boat, man. And honestly, after I watched the film, I thought about it all fucking day, as you can probably tell. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been thinking about it all day, and I'm just kind of i I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to be thinking about this one for a while because it really. It really affected me watching it. I was like, this is really interesting independent filmmaking. And in my opinion, this is by far his best film, without a doubt in my mind. This thing, I was really... I can't wait to listen to the commentaries on this. I wish I had the time to do it. I just wasn't expecting to to really like it this much, so... (laughs) <laughs> I want to hear the commentaries. Yeah, now.
1: actually, I didn't even think about actually listening to the commentaries. On, for some reason, I just thought that there wouldn't be commentaries because he speaks German. But I realize he speaks English in the intros all the time. Yeah, there's um, a couple
0: of different ones, actually. There's one with York and some guy named Franz or whatever. And then there's one with uh, Franz, some is the, Florian, writer. The, the writer. And then with that Monica Emchick, who is – that's her real name. So she actually plays herself in the film.
1: Oh, no. she Her name is actually Merit Mar- or Mariam Marion. Yeah in the film oh. but she played monica in necromantic
0: yeah oh, that's so fucking i could have sworn that that she said her name was monica in this man so weird
1: i mean it is possible this I is low sw- budget filmmaking if you if you have a long take and she says her name's monica or somebody calls her monica you might just let it in as a as a as a goof
0: yeah i swear to god she says monica and that's why it got me thinking i was like i swear that's the same that's so weird but yeah um, I don't know, do you have anything else to add to it cuz I just I don't really I feel like I've been talking all time.
1: No, no, no. Um, you you nailed it and I fucking agree with most of everything you said.
0: I nailed it right through the penis. Yeah.
1: I mean, I it's definitely is what it says it is into the mind of a serial killer. Uh, mm. I, I like movies like this i've always been a fan well i haven't really seen any movies like this, but the, I liked serial killers and being close to them.
0: You know what, man? yeah, me too man i am a big fan of serial killers. always has been, and I like this take on it. you know I felt to me like it was fresh and it was different, and I'd never really seen anything like this. you know and I think this movie really works on a whole lot of levels, especially the running time. I think the, I think his his choice to have such a short film was a good choice because it never it never faulted from you know pacing issues or downtime or unnecessary uh scenes like i like i thought maybe in um uh what is it necromantic 2 that really long lunch scene which is just like totally is that
1: necromantic 2 or is that necromantic 1
0: is it in part one shit dude i can't even remember
1: if it's, from <laughs> I think it's part one, or one two. but it might be think... no it's part two i can't no, it, it, no it's part no, it, two because he goes to see the movie
0: exactly it is isn't part two Good, you yeah, have me fucking double guessing myself there yeah it's in part two but yeah remember that was one of my critiques on it that I said that scene was just way way too long and he was almost trying to be too artsy for the sake of being artsy you know mm-hmm. um, I never got that from this at all I, I felt yeah. like everything had a meaning I th- I felt like everything was um, there for a reason and even though there are certain things in the film I, I can't um, put an explanation behind like the the black and white um, suicide scene well the commentary I, 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 will
1: probably help with that
0: probably that that's one scene that i still was fascinated by i was like that's really crazy because instantly i was like wow he just jumped out of his narrative into a different world i'm like this is so fucking weird it's out of character it's strange but oddly enough i was drawn to it and i didn't have a problem with it so i mean that says a lot about the film
1: mm-hmm. i like it you want to go ahead and get into ratings yeah sure all right i'll go first um so i don't know if i'll be as high as you Uh, i definitely did really really much enjoy it um i could have honestly maybe done without so much penis in my face um just because it did look gross (laughs) you know um and the god just it
0: just he really he really does make a point of having close-ups i mean that penis looked like it was on my table it's in hd yeah, it like you know, it, it was like on my coffee table as I was watching the movie. It was yeah, so like close.
1: there was a lot of it, which yeah. you know, I'm. I mean, it's not like I'm. Fifty-two die plus inches handles. of TV
0: screen with a big cock. <laughs> <laughs> like holy shit, dude!
1: Um, but yeah, so you know, I I love mostly the visuals. The visuals kill it for me, and the soundtrack with the visuals. I, I mean, like it's beautiful to look at. Like the, and there's. The editing is really good too because they do a lot of this, like, like they'll show a scene happen. Like, remember when he spreads the legs and he like throws them open, and it showed it like four or five times. Yeah, like, I, it like, it just looked nice, you know. Not
0: is it just me or did the blood like in his you know his half leg look so good? Oh
1: yeah, yeah, it did. It looked
0: really, really good. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um. So yeah, uh, I give this one a seven point five out of ten.
0: Yeah, um, I yeah pretty much said what I had to say about the film. There's not really a lot of uh, things I can say bad about the film. Um, I don't even know what I could possibly say bad. I mean, honestly, this one just had me thinking all day, you know. And that that's honestly, in my opinion, what makes a really effective film. Not fully, but for this type of archetype type film, it, it makes you think. It's definitely house. Yeah, for an artsy film, it keeps you thinking. You if an you know, art house things. film
1: doesn't make you think, it's a failure.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think that, you know, he accomplished what he was trying to do um, with uh, with the imagery and, you know, the things that, you know, the narrative that he was trying to portray to you. Um, yeah, very, very dark ambient you know, uh, cinema, man. I, I just, I can't even say a lot of bad things about this, man. Um, but I'm going to give this one a solid nine out of 10. I thought that I, I think this is by far his best film. It's just it's such a shame that this is the last full-length feature that he's done. You know, I guess we'll see some New York with um, some New York <laughs> some New York uh, with German Exits. Yes, yeah, so we'll we'll check out that. but um
1: yeah, yeah man. I, me personally, I do like Necromantic one and two better than this movie. I do think that this one is his best made. Uh, but I do. I still. There's something about Necromantic One and Two that actually make me just super uncomfortable, and it like just you know grosses me the fuck out. Um, this one, uh, the one scene with the eye definitely made me cringe and stuff. But I, maybe watching this one a couple more times, I'm, I don't know if I picked up on as much stuff as Moods, which honestly is kind of rare for me because usually I'm right there with him and everybody else. But uh, I, I am I am very curious to check out the special features on this now. Uh, especially since I have that sexy uh, sex murder art box set from uh, <laughs> Cult Epics. Thank you that for is, that.
0: That is true. Yeah, man, I was like I was like cooking dinner tonight. I was making up this awesome marinade for this chicken and stuff, and I was fucking thinking of Shram, and I'm like, this is so wrong. I'm handling like raw chicken, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm thinking of <laughs> you Shram. You know what's funny? It was so is, weird.
1: Uh, Nico, um, the PR agent from Cult Epics, he was like, I told him that he he, wa- he watched my video or something, or, and he was like, "Yeah, uh, if you because I was sick when I did that video." He's like, "If you if you're sick, you might not want to watch uh, Shram right away because uh, it, it, you know, it, it you'll know, it's sick or So I forget what he said, but it was it was cool. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I could see that, man. <laughs> yeah, and definitely and definitely don't watch Shram if you're afraid of, you know, seeing lots of penis.
1: Dude, I I love Cult Epics, and we've said that before. Cult Epics does some cool, interesting stuff, way out of the norm. But I was thinking, like, what else could they release? Um, I think either, like, Faces of Death or the guinea pig films. I think that's Uh, kind of up their alley.
0: Yeah, I know. I wonder who still has. I mean, I know Unearthed Films had released the guinea pig films years ago. They've been out of print. But, yeah, I mean, they need to pick that shit up. That would be awesome. Those would be fun to talk about. Yeah. Have you ever seen any of the Guinea Pig films before? I've seen
1: the first one. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they get really crazy. They like really almost goofy in the later sequels and stuff. They're strange. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking strange, man. But uh yeah, so that is going to conclude episode 80 um here on the 22 shots podcast so yeah hope you guys enjoyed it man i want to thank as i always do everybody out there that uh you know called in to the show and left uh voicemails or wrote in and asked questions because we truly appreciate that we love answering the questions and uh so keep them coming guys so yeah shram 1993 check it out it's awesome stuff jp you want to ride us out of here
1: absolutely man Thanks for checking out episode 80. I had fun. I know moods had fun. As always, there's a few things that you guys need to know. One, we are on horrorfilia.com. That is Jason Lloyd hooking us up with a home away from our home, which is 22ShotsOfMoodsAndHorror.com. Been a little more active on there lately. Posting press releases, posting vaults of horror. You can go over there and check out all the stuff that I got planned coming up soon. And also, guys... If you want to send us a question via text, you can always do that anywhere, including the Facebook group page, which is facebook.com slash group slash 22 shots podcast on Twitter, 22 shots podcast. And of course the Gmail account, which is 22 shots of Moods and at gmail.com. If you guys want to hit us up with a voicemail, leave a message, ask a question 724-426-6665 and As always, guys, please rate us on iTunes. You will be entered in all future contests if you do so. So it's kind of uh, stupid not to. Oh, not only rate but review because if you just rate it, I'm not going to be able to tell that you rated it and you won't be entered in contests. contest. But if you do leave a review, positive, negative, whatever you want to do, we prefer positive but be honest, Uh, you will be entered. So do that. It's always good. It's a little bit of annoyingness to actually do it but – It doesn't take the longest in the world, and you're entered in every contest we do in the future. So with that said, guys, uh, check out our YouTube channels, DoubleShotJ, Mood616, and peace. Peace!